Hello everyone and welcome to week two of Game of the Year here at Sorchomp. Can you believe it? We are inching closer to determining the best games of the year. A ton of awesome games came out this year, making it an especially fun year to discuss. But before we reveal our personal top and group list, we have to give out some awards for games for other categories, such as favorite remaster, favorite weapon, favorite art direction, most punchable face in gaming in 2021. That's right, we can't get through a game of the year show without doing that. Favorite moment, a unique one to us here at Swordchomp, favorite ecosystem, favorite gaming mechanic, most influential game of 2021. That's one of our new categories this year. Favorite boss, favorite character, and last, but certainly not least, favorite narrative. If last week was all a uh, excuse me, if last week's episode was all to glorify the music and sound of video gaming in 2021, then this week's episode is to glorify all the best parts about gaming, really. So let's get this out of the way now. That way I don't have to ruin the flow of the show later on. If you end up liking the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you end up wanting more content or ways to support us, you can head over to swordchomp.com, but I will discuss that in more detail on the back end of the show. So, let's get the crew in here. We all know that you need the stars of the show. First, let me introduce you to the audio engineer and indie lover of the show. He is a lover of many other activities and trinkets, but the one thing he has yet to find a love for is poorly worded and grammatically incorrect sentences. A game to which loves that he does. Eastward, on the list, is a game expected by me. <laughs> but you don't have to take my word for it. Take his. Please welcome to the show, Josh Fowler. Josh, how you doing this week? God damn, my skin is crawling. How? How? Uh, oh. That must be uh, that... herpes. Welcome to that my was, country. That was... That was that that seemed scientifically engineered to be as painful as possible. That was. I spent five minutes writing that sentence yesterday. <laughs> I shit you not. I was like, how can I make this the most annoying sentence I possibly can? And I I legitimately spent five minutes on that. But no, how's your week, man? Um, busy. It's been busy. We I my own goddamn fault. Um, because, I mean, there's no way you'll be able to tell from the, the actual file. We did such an expert and adept job of, 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 you know, seamlessly making it, you know, just flow naturally that our Psychonauts 2 chomping after dark <laughs> was, was done in, in, in one take this yes. week. There's no that way you noticed this without me saying so, but one of us, I, one of us may not have recorded that original show, and uh, and because of which, I, I had to be up very early on Tuesday morning <laughs> to uh, to re-record that show. There's no way you could tell that from the actual file. It's, it, the you know the show is spotless. 
just for one month Perfect. it will be chomping before dawn for Josh and I, mm-hmm. and chomping after dark for Shay. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's true. It's true to the name for me. It's Opposite your first. You in a lot of ways, it's your the first, first time ever jumping after, after dark, dark. Shay. Yeah. yeah, it's actually the first time in a long time, at least. I mean, a little bit of history about this show. Like sometimes back in the day when we would do these game of the year shows, it would be that we would do it early mm. morning for me. I would spend all day editing it. And then literally at night or the next morning for these guys, we would get back up and do it again. So there were moments where it was, you know, chomp cast after dark for me, but never a true chomping after dark mm-hmm. for me. So that was the first one. And we got the chomp before dawn, which is a new podcast launching next year. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about uh, mostly fly fishing inspired from video games. Yeah, yeah fly, bre- fly fishing and breakfast sandwiches. Uh, breakfast theme video games. We only ran for four episodes, and honestly, three of those were a stretch. Mm. <laughs> All of it was overcooked too. Yeah, yeah. We can only talk about breakfast-related levels, though. Yeah, that's fair. Josh, which category are you most looking forward to this week? Ooh, there were some tough ones this week. Um. Hmm. I think art direction. I th- I think art direction. That was that was one of the toughest ones to nail down because there were some gorgeous games this year. So I'm even even if even if my choice doesn't get it, which I have reservations, I'm I'm still excited about everything else because there was so much just outstanding art direction this year. So I'm looking forward yeah, to that. I I'm I'm gonna be honest. I would be surprised if one of you two didn't put Kenna on the list, just because I learned yesterday that that is an indie game. I did not realize that is an indie game. And, it's worth uh, noting, probably Shay, that uh, it's an indie game, but the studio that did it is all for. They, I think they were formerly an animation studio, but this is their first yes. game. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's still it's still incredible to consider just the spectrum of indie now. But yeah, that 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 game is gorgeous for being an indie so i'm gonna be surprised if it doesn't show up on either of your guys's lists but what that remains to be seen so Mm -hmm. and i agree art direction was a tough tough category this year but um we'll we'll get to more on that later but josh thank you for being here next this is the man's second ever game of the year here at sword chomp but he's managed to make himself right at home putting his pimply ass all over the sofa. I'm sorry. I think I'm still feeling a little bit bitter about him slinging hurtful comments at Biomutant last week. But anyways. What the hell is Biomutant? Please please welcome Rich Meister. Now, Rich, is it true that you once slammed a Red Bull and went to a Ren Fair dressed as the bastard son of Richard III from the House of York? No, that's completely untrue. I was not dressed as the bastard son of Richard III. Okay. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I was trying to think of a funny intro, and then I decided to go look at monarchs from England, and I sure. actually researched Richard III, and all of his children were illegitimate. Yeah. So you are, in fact, you were, in fact, I should say, dressed as a bastard child of Richard III. Because they're, just, they're normal people just like us. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I learned a lot in me just trying to write a fun, tr- funny, and just unique intro. I ended up doing a mini history lesson. So, 
That's always fun. I like a good history lesson. Yeah, yeah. You should you should read up on Richard the Third. His uh, story is pretty interesting. But uh... I might just do that. <laughs> How are you doing this week? Not bad, man. Uh, not bad. Um, gonna be a uh, slow week. This is I gotta work tomorrow, which sucks. But um, I'm actually thinking preparatorily. I just realized my own schedule. And I realized how miserable I'm going to be through the weekend next weekend. Let me run you down the horrible schedule I've, I've compacted for myself. I work Thursday. Th- I'm going to leave work around 6 p.m. Thursday. Then I'm going to go see Spider-Man at 11 p.m. And then I'm going to go back to work at 6 a.m. Then I'm going to come home from work. Or we're going to do one of these shows till God knows what time in the morning. And then I'm going to go back to work at 6 a.m. <laughs> And we have to fit the Patreon show in there at some point, too. <laughs> Not necessarily next weekend, but sometime soon. So, yeah, that's you got a lot on your plate. But I don't know. Spider-Man, that, that seems worth it. I'm really excited for that one. I don't care if I leave the movie theater at 2.30 in the morning. I, I'm going to see Spider-Man on yep. opening night. It looks good, man. Are you concerned at all by, um, you know, the current state of the world? Or I, I guess I should say more the U.S. with uh, Omicron. Um, no, I think the Autobots have that handled. Wrong franchise, but you know what? I, I respect you for trying. Yeah, no. It's <laughs> the crossover <laughs> we deserve. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, I mean, I'm, I'm vaxxed. I got my booster. I'm gonna wear a mask. I. Oh, you get your booster. Okay. Yeah, I will do all of the things, and that's really all I can do for my part. It's fair. I would laugh if you just came in like a bubble and it was all sanitized in there, just squirts in there, and you sat at the front and people were like, "What the fuck is this bubble boy doing?" It's like I don't want this Omicron shit. And uh, get out I'm of here, to Doc Ock if he was worried about it. Omicron. Came from Omicron, Percy I eight. <laughs> I would feel out of that. <laughs> but uh, Rich, which category are you most looking forward to discussing this week? Huh. That's an. There's a few that um. I think for me, particularly because there's one from a franchise I quite like that was literally one of those moments of like pause the controller and be like, oh lord, it's coming. Um, I'm gonna go with with boss fight. Uh, mm. because all the fan service boss fights happened this year, and I can't wait to talk about them and then for them to not win. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who played that game. Oh, well, now I have no idea what it is. Um, I was think I don't know. I was thinking it was going to be something from Guardians, but we'll get to more on that later. Cool. That makes sense. That was a man. close contender, but mm-hmm. uh... I figured. I figured. But I'm glad you're here, man. I'm excited. And last, you're being subjected to a man who once busted his chin wide open from trying to do a bunny hop off of a curb with his BMX bike. Yes, that's true. I still have the scar to prove it. Um, it was a tiny curb, and uh, I had to go to the hospital and get rocks surgically removed from my chin after that. So Fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a thing that happened. But my name is Shay Layton, and it's a pleasure to be hosting week two of this year's Dagger Tooth Awards. Um, not expecting the, the applause this week. I wanted it last week. Unfortunately, didn't get it. So this week, I will settle with cricket sounds if that ed, 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 is in the cards. But um, Shay, which category are you most looking forward to? Um, yeah, actually, this week I'm looking forward to uh, 
the most influential game of 2021. That's one of our brand new categories here at Swordchomp this year. And I think it's going to be a really fun discussion to talk about because it's something that we don't ever really discuss here in general. So I think it's going to be a fun way to analyze games. And I think it'll bring that into our discussions from here on out. We'll start thinking about that a little bit more if we make it a consistent category. But the other one I'm looking forward to, to be completely honest with you guys, and this is going to transition right into the start of the show, is favorite remaster. This is also a new category we introduced this year because um, within the past few years, we've seen this influx of remakes and remasters and HD remasters and all sorts of stuff within that category. And it's it's been difficult because remakes um here we've kind of decided they are eligible for game of the year that they it makes perfect sense you're rebuilding the game from the ground up even if the the prototype or the a different version already exists it is a different game in effect so remakes are always eligible but remasters we kind of decided last year on the fly that you know they don't quite qualify for game of the year so um we decided to at least give some way to pay homage to them by giving it its own category. But before we get into that, um, I want to get into one of the ground rules here is that, or two of the ground rules, is we're going to go in the same order that we did last week and the same way that I introduced the guys this week. It's going to be Josh, Rich, me uh, for each category. And also, this week, each one of us gets one tie if we want to use it. So, for example, if there were two favorite weapons that I had that I just couldn't decide, then I'm going to use my tie there and name not one, but two weapons that I think deserve notice or deserve to be recognized for the category for this year. And that is the rules. Pretty simple. Um, Any questions? No? Thank you very much. All right, let's get into favorite (laughs) remaster. Josh, you're going to be kicking it off today. What was your choice for favorite remaster for 2021? Um, I, I have to be honest on this one. Uh, when, when preparing for this topic, I thought that I had played no remasters this year until very recently when I played all of five minutes of the Final Fantasy V pixel remaster. And I'm like, and, and I specifically remember talking about how just emulate that game because it's just it's just better on the Super Nintendo. F- find yourself a uh, a fan translation patch and uh, and and emulate the sucker. Um, but then, on a technicality, which is the best way to be correct, yes, I remembered that Bowser's Fury was attached to the remaster of Super Mario 3D World that just released on Switch this spring and uh that game is amazing um to have a a i already like super mario 3d world it's i'm not a huge fan of the 3d world series like i know a lot of people have loved them loved them but like 3d land is better personally personally i'm a bigger fan of the actual 3D games and the 3D world games, which are basically 2D games that occasionally stumble their way into 3D. But they're good. They're still good. But, like, you know, 
more of a mainline Mario fan, personally. But seeing how they took that formula and did something completely unique with it, with Bowser's, Bowser's Fury that was attached to it, was really cool. Because these are mechanics we already kind of knew. Um, and, you know, they just attached new stuff to it. Like, let's let's add some extra levels, even though it's essentially an open-world single level built in that engine. Was really cool. Um, and kind of a unique way to do a remaster like that. We've not really seen a lot of that. Um, and I think that's, that's a cool idea to essentially leave the original more or less how it was, but then to add something new to it with the remaster is not a way we've seen that handled before. And I personally thought it was really cool. Um, even, even if it didn't turn out as well as it did, that's, that's a cool idea that I'd like to see more of in the future. Um, is remasters that just have extra content, um, like completely new stuff there. Um, that's neat. That's a cool idea. It, it's kind of crazy to think about that, that 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 game came out this year because it doesn't feel like it was this year. It feels like last year for some reason, but... It seems yeah, like it's ages ago. Yeah, I completely ago. forgot about this game. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it... This has been a long year, guys. This has been such a long year. I can't wait until I in a two weeks when I start making my cocoon, and I rest until uh, January. <laughs> yep, yep. So Super Mario 3D World Remaster for Josh. It's in the books. Rich, what was your choice for favorite remaster? In the spirit of honesty, my original choice was going to be Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, the remaster, because it's a quality remaster. But due to a conversation Josh and I were having before it started, this started, <laughs> mine is also Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Theory. I may have, I may have influenced the judges on this one. Mostly because I kind of forgot that, like, I actually was thinking about Bowser's Fury for some other stuff, but I totally forgot that remaster was attached to it. And I think, if anything, I feel a little more strongly about the original game than Josh does. Like, I think that is, like, one of the most unsung Mario games ever because no one owned a fucking Wii U. And even without that stuff attached, which that new stuff is phenomenal, that is just a great Mario platformer. Um, It feels great to play. It's got that four-player co-op that's amazing. I think it's just as amazing in solo play Um, as it is when you got somebody else on the couch next to you or three other people on the couch next to you. It's it's awesome to have it on the Switch because, again, so few people got the opportunity to play that. And I think it is one of the best 3D Mario platformers in, in years. And I'm not like it's a distinctly different kind, a 3D level based Mario platformer we get less of than thinking the way we celebrate things like Odyssey and 64 and Sunshine as these bigger, more important games. These ones are just as important and just as amazing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm not surprised that. Uh... You guys picked this at the last moment, but you know what? At least you got an answer that you could talk about. In- <laughs> I could have talked about the other one, but like once we were having this conversation, I was like, I fucking forgot about that. That was so good. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, as long as you're happy with the answer, that's all that yeah. matters. As long as you can look back three years from now and be like, you know what? I made the right choice by switching. 
Hell yeah. yeah. You should be proud of yourself. Is is well, Dante good, in that Super remaster of, of Nocturne? Just Um, I don't remember if the content's actually in there. I remember mm. a million people making the joke. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, I'm just curious. <laughs> Very curious. Because it wasn't on it wasn't on any of the uh the advertisements for it. I thought you were gonna you were asking if he was in Bowser's Fury. Hmm. There's a thing well, that I didn't know I needed that now I need. Well, there you have it. Two Super Mario 3D World remasters in the books. Looks like my work's going to be cut out for me later. Because <laughs> to nobody's surprise, my choice for the favorite remaster was the Saga Frontier remaster. I'm going to tell you guys right, right. now, when this yes. was announced last year, I was fucking shocked, to say I the remember. Yeah. Because to... To tell you the truth, I've been trying to get Rich to play this game for a while now. I tried to get Josh to play this game back in the day. He did. He, um, We've joked about it a lot on the podcast. <laughs> he called it, quote-unquote, cancer multiple times, <laughs> has denied calling it cancer, and then has readmitted to have calling it cancer multiple times. Mm. And I knew that I was going to struggle to try and get Rich to play this. I was unsuccessful. And then when the remaster came out, I was like, oh, this is the perfect way to get rich to hop on board with me on this and of course he didn't but that's okay because you know what i played the ever loving shit out of this game the moment it dropped i played through all seven characters they added additional content which included a new character and a new way to play where with the character you play through the old storylines but from the new character's point of view and it added additional content to the story as a result it filled in the gaps where some of the translation did a poor job or they just had some gaps in knowledge in the story that they were able to flesh out with a remaster and there were a lot of quality of life changes, which I've already talked about in detail in those previous podcasts. So I won't go into too much detail here. I'll just simply say that the menus were fleshed out. The combat was more fleshed out because you were able to speed it up and it was a little bit more forgiving where in the past it was very much less forgiving and it was very frustrating at times. Um, the, it, was, it was a beautiful remaster of a lot of the artwork where they had hand-drawn backgrounds and, and the characters, and they, they still have that personality in the artwork while also making it look more modern, which I very much appreciated. And um, yeah, I just had a ton of fun with this game, being yeah. able to sit down and play it and i'm just glad that this game got at least some recognition this year because i felt like and i still feel like it's one of the most underrated games for the ps1 and as a result of this game that they are reviving the series which is also really cool because yeah. i i played a little bit of saga frontier 2 i haven't played any of the romancing saga stuff a lot of the other stuff involved in this universe and because of this remaster, I'm going to eventually be able to reimmerse myself into this world even deeper now. So there's Romancing a lot of things Saga I like about this very game. good, Jay. You should I know, I need to play yeah, that. It is. Yeah, that's... Um, I like all the strange ones of... in that series. Like, like Romancing Saga it, it, 3 is, is great. I, speaking, of, speaking of Saga remasters, that Final Fantasy Legend one and two remaster also came out this year, which those are actually saga games that just got released yes. as final fantasy games in the U S which 
I love, even though they're very strange games to to have fallen in love with as a kid. But um, kind of going back you to you were your, a strange kid. I, yeah, no, I was I was a fucking weirdo. But um, kind of one thing we both hit on there that I think was cool was the, the, the seventh character that was added to that new content to a game that old. That That's really cool. That's, that's something that I think we both kind of got from our choices was, you know, a new way to look at this, this old game with, with, with new content to it, which is Graham, that, one of the cool. game was 20 years old and one of them was a year old, but yeah, the point <laughs> yes. stands. Yeah. I, I still think that stuff is cool, though. You could look at something like the Final Fantasy VIII remaster, which I was I was pretty pleased with that, just because I got to play it again, more mm-hmm. more or less. But it there wasn't anything it looks new worse. added to it. There was a pseudo fresh cone of paint put on the characters, and that was about. But the it. paint had lead in it. <laughs> well, the paint was applied by that same person who, you know. retouched the artwork from from the renaissance in spain a few years back at that same, <laughs> what i fixed lady. it yeah <laughs> i made the dicks bigger <laughs> that's right but no it's i'm glad that both of our choices got to see some additional content and the last thing i want to say about saga frontier remaster for we can move on is that this game for its time was a very avant-garde rpg it was doing a lot of things different or the opposite of what a typical RPG was doing during this time, and it turned a lot of people off, and understandably so. Um, It was trying to do something different at the time. And you play it now, and it's not as necessarily innovative or unique now because there have been so many different styles and types of games. And I truly believe that this game, its desire to push outside of the box really influenced other RPGs and other developers. Um, so it doesn't feel as innovative necessarily now as it did 20 years ago, but you can see some of the influence from this game in other places. And that's why I have always had a lot of respect and admiration for this game is just its ability to want to do its own thing. So, um, yeah, that's my choice. So two Super Mario 3D World remasters and... Saga Frontier remaster for me in the books for the, the brand new category of favorite remaster. Woo! So next we're going to do one that uh, has been around here for quite some time. Favorite weapon. Now in previous years, we've kind of thought outside of the box with this category. while we'll also just thought about some awesome weapons. For example, Jesse Faden from control one, one year in a landslide that, um, her abilities just made her such a cool weapon and being able to use her in those ways, which further enhanced the narrative. But this year um, is going to be interesting. I, I'm curious to hear your guys' answers for favorite weapons. So, Josh, let's start off with you. What was your favorite weapon from this year? Um, I had a few runners-up this year um, that, are, that are honorable mentions that uh, didn't tie... So I'm not using that here, but they're worth mentioning. The uh, the toilet brush from Biomutant is is pretty great. It is uh, it, it is, is pretty great. Honestly, what's Biomutant? Extremely fun to kill a motherfucker with a toilet brush. Um, 
it's something I didn't know I needed in my life and, until that game gave it to me. Um, but but essentially, it, it functions identically to every other melee weapon. So it you know mechanically is is less interesting than just that primal satisfaction of beating someone to death with a toilet brush. Um, well, you're just scrubbing the land of uh, any evil. Mm-hmm. Oh, scrubbing because um, of a brush. But 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 worth bringing up. So I, I want I wanted to mention that toilet brush. It's a uh, Here's to you, toilets. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, toilets. Oh. Cheers, brushes. Um, but, and I kind of spoiled this on our on our last show by getting way in too in depth with it when we were trying to avoid spoilers. And uh, anyway, I mean, it's it yeah, cat's out of the bag at this point. But the Big Bang from Genesis Noir. Um, kind of the inciting incident to that entire game um, is the uh, the femme fatale getting shot by a big bang um, I wow. just just thematically was uh, really affecting like I, I think I just, it, it stuck out to me in, in you know, this, this year as far as, uh, you know, a weapon that is super impactful, something that kind of means something to the story, something that, um, and, and it, even though you're not the one to use that weapon, you still interact with it um, throughout the entire game. Um, it's something that kind of affects the entire narrative, start to finish. Um, and we, I, I kind of went into more depth with this last week when we were talking about um, the soundtrack to this game. Um, the this, this song in particular that kind of plays near the end of, of this game. But uh, I absolutely was just in love with the framing of this game and how that, the weapon, you know, was was such a cool thematic element that ended up kind of making the story what it was um anyway you don't you don't have this weapon you don't really have a story at that point you don't have yeah um, yeah a, a lot of things because the weapon opens the game up visually and mechanically and narratively yeah, yeah, like the story would be something completely different if this weapon were anything else. Um Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. I I wouldn't have necessarily called that a weapon personally, but <laughs> I I don't think you can disagree either that, you know, because it's being Give me used... a moment and I'll try. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to, that, that's no, I no, mean, no. I, I, that's, I, that's an. If I, if anything, I feel stupider for my pick now. And well, yeah, you don't have to feel stupider. We, we all interpret this differently. I'm gonna but, do it anyway. That's how my brain works. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wouldn't have thought about it that way. But I, I can't disagree with you either because, yeah, it's a weapon. Even though you don't directly use it per se, your character uses it, and. 
you end up kill your character ends up killing somebody with it, but it sets off this chain of events as well. So, um, I guess you can make the argument if this weapon is not used, you don't have a story or a game at that point. So, yeah, fair enough. Big Bang from Genesis Noir. That's a uh, left field pick, and I I dig the the ability to think outside the box there. I dig your groovy um, tunes, man. Let's let's do our less interesting picks. For <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Rich, what what is your pick? My pick is the Heritage Gun from Deathloop. Um, so for uh, since there's only six other people with PS5s who've played Deathloop, um, I'm gonna go ahead and explain what this is. So, um, Deathloop has a loot based system, but there are some constant weapons that once you get them in a run, you can kind of equip them whenever they're found in specific spots. My favorite, which, uh, is the heritage gun, uh, which the whole gimmick of this weapon is it is a weapon with an alt fire. Um, so it is a short range shotgun with an alt fire. That is a long range rifle, but the gimmick that makes it so effective is the transforming sequence has like an animation to it, obviously, but it goes way faster if you transform it right after you've taken a shot. So, the way this weapon feels in action is kind of amazing to like take out a, a group of like patrolmen with uh, like a lo- the long range rifle and then quickly swap to a shotgun as the rest of them are like rushing you. It just feels really good and really smooth to play with. And it just looks cool as hell. Now I have a quick question because obviously I didn't play this game. Sure. I, I don't have any familiarity with this gun. Is this gun, so you, you talked about its alt fire, but its main fire, do you fire it at yourself or enemies to find out which uh, person or people abused indigenous people in America? Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm sorry, the moment you said heritage gun, I was like, how can I make this into a joke? And that is the first thing that yeah, came to my mind. But anyway, sorry, continue with your serious explanation. No, that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> it's a cool gun. <laughs> it's cool. It transforms, and I shoot shit, and I like it. Yeah, feel the gun I, shoot, and it feel good. Shooting McShoot shoot. I like that, Rich. The, see, that is that is a more more classic answer for this. And there's nothing. I'm not shitting on Josh or shitting on Rich or anything like that. That that's the kind of thing I expect when it comes to this category, which is. My- uh, my close second, if I throw an honorable mention out there, is the way in Shin Megami Tensai Five, your arm is a sword. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that yeah. is pretty cool. Um, nothing wrong with that. I, uh, for my choice for this category, I almost went with uh, Narita Boy and the sword that you can also use as a gun and do all sorts of cool stuff with that that weapon. Um, but I ended up using my tie here. And I went with two. My first choice was the uh, Magnum that you get from Resident Evil 8. And that's the... I can't... Should have looked up the name because I remember just now that there are two Magnums. It's the most powerful one between the two. Whatever it is. The one that you buy for an absurd amount of money. Uh, As you get more into that game, you are prompted to... Hmm? The Wolfsbane? Yes, thank you. Uh... You are prompted to play the game on harder difficulties to unlock challenges and achievements if you're so inclined. And I think it's in in your best interest because you get a lot more value out of the game because it is a shorter game. But you unlock different weapons and different abilities and it makes the game fun to play again. 
So as you're playing those harder difficulties, um, it can be super challenging, but when you get this magnum, you basically one-shot or two-shot almost everything in the game. And for some people, that's going to be like, well, what's the challenge in that? What's the fun in that? I'm sorry. I had a ton of fun running through and being overwhelmed by enemies and just one-shotting each and every motherfucker. It was a lot of fun for me. Um, As I was playing through my fifth playthrough, trying to unlock everything and finish everything and just one-shotting everything. At that point, I felt like, you know what? I grinded through the game four times already i've unlocked all this stuff i've worked hard i've earned my ability to shoot everything in one shot and be pleased with that um and i think that's part of the reward there is that you grind to get this weapon and it's not a serious difficult grind um is it the wolfsbane i think that's when you get in the story now i gotta look i need to look now i gotta look yeah because i know i got the wolfsbane or I wonder if it's like with an upgrade or something. That, hmm. Well, there there are two. There are two different. Um, there are two different weapons in the game. So, or sorry, There's two a lot different. More than two. Well, I'm sorry. There are two different magnums. The stake. Okay, that's the one I was. Okay. Stake is also a magnum, but it's semi-automatic. Stake sauce. Oh god. The stake magnum. Okay. All right. Make sure I'm writing down the right one here for my. Yeah. Stake was just an awesome gun, fun to use. The fact that it's semi-automatic and it just pummels people. I think there's I something mean, the to... I the Wolfsbane is great, too. I mean, both of those guns are super powerful. Yes. Yeah. So, they're super fun to use. My other weapon that um, I put in this category, it was a last-minute addition. Um, I don't feel as guilty about putting this in just because the satisfaction I feel from this has nothing to do with revisionist history or um, any kind of uh, recency bias, is the frying pan from Eastward was uh, my yeah. other choice for that, that category. Was, that was on my short list. Same. And, well, there's, yeah, and it, it makes sense because there's a satisfaction of when you smack enemies um, that it, it feels as if you are actually using one of those steel cast, stainless steel cast, pans or an iron pan i get whatever there, there's a satisfaction of when when you've held those things they're super heavy and when you smack something with it you know you're doing a ton of damage like in real yeah. life if if somebody came into my house and i had one of those and they were trying to attack me i would not grab a knife i would grab one of those frying pans because yep. the uh, the the amount of spread of damage you're gonna do is gonna stop them in their tracks i need that um, surface a, area yeah, that's what I'm... Th- Thank you. Surface area. My cast well, iron, baby. It's taking you down. That's right. And this the weapon was just super satisfying to use. You get, you get an upgraded version of it where it sounds silly. It goes from a circular pan to a square pan. Oh, and yeah. I don't so know you can why make Detroit, that was so... Detroit-style pizza. That's why. <laughs> there may be a really Detroit intense lasagna. sword no, versus frying pan fight at one point. That game's kind of amazing. <laughs> Yeah, th- there's just a lot to like about the game, but the weapon, using a frying pan was just fun. I mean, that's for me, that's what my two choices are about, is fun. And the frying yeah. pan gets upgrades, and there's actually a lot you do with it, too. You launch bombs with it as well. Um, you play baseball with your frying pan in a mini game. There are a lot of different things you can do with your frying pan in this game. And it just, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It felt iconic 
in terms of the game. Obviously, it's not going to be iconic in, I think, video gaming as a whole. I think this game is too, isn't getting enough recognition or it hasn't gotten enough eyes on it for it to be iconic. But yeah. it, it is iconic and it's almost, almost so much so that it almost feels like its own character at times because um, you do so much with this frying pan. You do cooking and mm-hmm. it's constant that characters are pointing out that the main character, John, who uses the frying pan, is such a good cook. And that's because he it's has all the blood pan. caked in his pan. <laughs> <laughs> or that the secret he's ingredient. Leg- he's this legendary hunter that um, just wrecks shit. And it's because he has this yeah. frying pan. It, so it's so much so that he... he it's part he, of his identity. He, he himself is a legend, but also be, yeah. it's because of his frying pan. It's like, to me, it's like uh, Luffy and, uh, the, and his ship. His ship always oh. ends up becoming a character because it's the, the ship is the one who carries the crew around and it helps him out. It helps Luffy and the crew to reach even further heights than they could without Sonny. I still if tear I up thinking about Usopp. If I could, a hard oh, time that, giving up the first ship. Uh, oh, that, well, that's like Luffy versus Usopp. He just yeah. smacks his shit. Um, if I could, I don't mean to try and improve on what you were trying to say there, Shay. But like um, where I thought you were going with that statement originally because I think of John's frying pan at this point, like an extension of him as a character. I was thinking it more in terms of like Luffy's straw hat. Like seeing him without it feels weird. Well, I mean, the straw hat doesn't really, isn't a weapon or <laughs> duh, you know? Yeah, I, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're, like, I don't know. I just, I, I think of it less like it is an iconic weapon and that like it feels like an extension of the character and just a part of them to me. Yeah, I... I, you mean, I think that. you were maybe going for something a little different. Yeah, I was definitely going for something a little bit different because the Sunny does feel like its own character. The Straw Hat does not. When John loses the frying pan, there's a point in the game <gasps> where all his weapons are taken from him. God, not only does it feel like a piece of John is missing, but it feels like a character is missing in the game. So frying pan was the uh, other logical choice for me in this category. So had to burn my uh, tie here and now. Yep. So there we go. Big Bang from Genesis Noir from Josh. Heritage Gun from Deathloop from Rich. And My Tai, which is the steak. Magnum from Resident Evil 8. And the Frying Pan from Eastward. Burning My Tai there. <laughs> cool. So next, we have a very big hard hitting category, as Josh alluded to before. Favorite art direction. This category is always one of the more personal ones just because we all kind of gravitate towards our own unique art directions. And there have been, as Josh said, as we say every year, some amazing games with incredible art direction. And this category is always one of the most difficult ones for all of us to pick. But Josh, you're going to break it in today. What was your favorite art direction this year? Oh, this was like, like I said at the intro, just one of the toughest categories um this year there were some unbelievably gorgeous games this year um with with a the art style they're going for and and b some of the just the technical aspects of of how they were able to render what they wanted to 
um, this year. Um, and because of that, this is the one that actually got my tie this year. Um, and honestly, this could be like a 10-way tie because there are so many games that are just I just I I loved I loved how they were all there was so much unique and gorgeous art this year, um, but I didn't know whether I wanted to land more on the stylistic aspects of it or of the holy shit this is what games can look like now aspect of it, um, and so that, that that that's why I just I had to use my tie for this one. Um, in the two games this year that tied for art direction for me were Guardians of the Galaxy, which has just outstanding art direction that feels just as experimental and heartfelt as the comics in, in a lot of senses. It's It's... A lot of times when you get an adaptation of a property like this, you get some kind of half-assed, this-will-do-the-job type efforts. Uh, Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is just a gorgeous, gorgeous game. And technically, the way they're able to get all of it to come across the way they do is breathtaking in this game. There, there were. And there's so many varying locales in that game, yes. like all the different planets you go to and installations. And... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just that, it really stood out to me this year. Like there was, there was, there's been some pretty games this year with a lot of a lot of the PS5 hardware and the the next gen stuff coming out. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy still kind of stuck out to me as as taking advantage of that to do something really special. Um, so that, that was my first choice was Guardians of the Galaxy. My second choice, kind of more on the stylistic front, was Moon Down, which is a hand-pencil-drawn horror game that came out uh, this, this summer, um, which takes advantage of that art style to get across... Just some outstanding um, mood and and setting. Um, one of my one of my just absolutely favorite artistic directions that they went is there's a character called the old man who is who is a you know the stranger, someone who shows up in town and people aren't exactly sure what what his whole deal is, but in this game. His face is constantly changing. Um, like you, you see him on screen, and while he's there, his face is changing constantly from one face to another to another, and having it all hand drawn. And it's, 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 he's one of the, that was one of the most affecting uses of of an art style that I've seen before is having a character be that dreamlike and and dynamic 
Um, something that, frankly, I'm kind of surprised we've not seen in movies or in in games before now. Um, mm-hmm. Handled just expertly. Um, and, and then on top of that, the, the entire rest of the, of the setting is just excellent. Like, it feels, it feels like, you know, hand-drawn, you know, kind of uh, sketchbook drawings that you'd make of your hometown or of, of a, you know, a place you went to visit up in the mountains. Um, and it, it works so well um, to get you in the right mindset for, for the horror to work. Um, just kind of doing an entirely different thing than Guardians of the Galaxy, but doing it also just unbelievably well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those very cool. I I was looking it up, um, because I when I did that uh whole looking through our history of Game of the Year stuff in previous years past, there has not been a single tie for this category before. Mm. So it's interesting that you, you, this is the year that we finally see a tie in this category. Very interesting. Yeah. Two totally different games too, but I'm not surprised by guardians of the galaxy. It is a gorgeous game. Just looking at the stills and everything from it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really is like I I mentioned when we were first talking about it, that it, it's, that's the sort of game that you want to see to like really try out a new console generation um and and, mm. and feel like you've arrived at you know a, a new tier yeah yeah and plus i mean it's, it's such a likable uh game or universe i should say i'm mm-hmm. granted it's all in the marvel universe but this part of the universe it's such that particular a part of it yeah marvel cosmic is always interesting and that particular the guardians of the galaxy the the early aughts reboot of the gardens of the galaxy at least is just an undeniably likable collection of heroes yes yes i I don't know why i'm spacing it i i I know which game you're talking about what's the second game you mentioned i just suddenly spaced the name what is it called moon down moon down Um, thank you sorry i spaced the name yeah no 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 that's that's one that you've uh probably not heard a lot of mention this year uh all of that i've heard from you yeah sadly that it is there's been a lot of good horror this year, um, and and that game, I I feel is kind of getting overlooked because there has been so much good horror. I feel like any other year it would have been like a, a standout. Oh, look at this indie horror game that came out. That's just you know the best horror this year, and it kind of <laughs> had to compete with Returnal and and a new Resident Evil game, which is has made it kind of get overlooked by the the audience that usually would be on top of this sort of thing um moon down so m o o n d o w n m u n d a u n oh thank you yes a uh oh wow okay yeah okay that makes a lot more sense yeah <laughs> like i was typing it in on uh google and i was just pulling up this board game that looks very japanese inspired but no this <laughs> this looks very cool. It looks um, all sepia and inspired, yes. and it looks like you're looking at a game of old photos in some ways. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that game out. That looks pretty cool. 
I remember you talking about this game back in the day too, and I, and I said that exact same thing. I was like, I need to check it out, and then I never did. <laughs> oh, I know. It was. It came out right before Resident Evil Eight. Um, which is it made it. It was just. It was a hard spot for it to get traction. I think. Sadly. Yeah, that makes it, sense. It's. It's excellent. It is an excellent, excellent game, but the audience was kind of distracted at the moment. Yeah, I think that indie developers, I mean, they, they have an uphill battle as it is trying to get eyes on their game, but mm-hmm. they really got to start thinking about when they drop shit. And yeah, obviously, yeah, release there's windows. only so much they can do with AAA devs being like, hey, we're going to delay it to this date. Not saying right. necessarily that um, this is the case here, but for example, if I'm rele- releasing some kind of shooter game and then Halo is like, oh, we're delaying till December. It's like, well, fuck. How do we delay <laughs> right? our game? Uh, you know, there's yeah. only so much that can be done there. But yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, it is what it is. I mean, you've you've uh, given it its just dues, or I should say you've given it recognition, rather. <laughs> and um, hopefully some people check it out after listening to this episode. Yeah. Hell yeah. Rich. Yes, yes, dear. If you don't say Kenna, I'm going to be super surprised because I thought Josh was going to throw it up there. I'm 99.9% sure you're not going to say Kenna, but I'm also going to be surprised if you don't. It's a weird, it's a weird dichotomous <laughs> feeling I'm feeling right now. But Here's uh, an insane... You want to know an insane fact, Jay? I almost felt bad when you brought it up earlier because had you asked me about a week ago, the answer would have been Kenna. Mm. Um, mm. But then along came a game called Fight Night. I fucking love the art in this game. Fight I, um, yeah. I don't like, nobody can see my fucking face right now, but I am, I am stunned. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been, been playing this a lot over the past week and I, I had to really like think hard on it to, to affirm that it is not a recency bias, but this is totally a stylistic choice thing for me. I absolutely adore the look of like these old, like early days, like PC engine games. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I am going to have a review of for Fight Night probably before uh part three of our of all our stuff drops. But like this game, man, has such a look to it, and it all kind of converges with their use of that early PC engine sound. But it's it's built in such a way where it's like almost disguising making you think it's limiting limit running on limited resources like an old game of that era would be Mm -hmm. because entire color palettes will swap depending on certain parts of the level that you're in Mm. um and it just it really like certain parts of it look almost hand-drawn and they even might be to some degree but like those old like doom pz engine stand in like flat graphics and the weird use of color and weird shading over horizons and stuff like it just it's got such a weird crazy look to it the character designs are bonkers it just it scratches an an itch for me that i often forget i'm looking for wow yeah i don't even know what to say like i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to sit here and shit on your choice but fuck was that out of left field (laughs) <laughs> like you said okay this is one thing i'm gonna say i have to i'm sorry rich i have to get this out there obviously i haven't it. played the game and it does have a stylistic choice i've watched videos ever since you talked about you've been playing it and it looks cool and it looks interesting but there are parts of it that look like it was drawn by an 11 year old and not a very talented 11 11 year old and yeah i think that's intentional i know but how could oh 
Are, are, are you going to sit here and say you don't want cool S's in your video games, Shay? I wanted that. I just put Superman. <laughs> what the? F oh, okay. Well, you know what, Rich? This is your this is your personal choice. I'll let you have it. I'm Fight Night. <laughs> Favorite art direction of 2021. I I've never been shocked like this before. I don't think, or at least in a while. All right. Well, my my personal choice for 2021 was a very simple one. Uh, there are some other games that I think could qualify for this category but genesis noir was hands down mm. the pick for this category for me this year um is done on what? Unreal that's Engine. insane Engine. <laughs> <laughs> i know especially since you didn't really play it that much i don't but, even know uh, what it looks like <laughs> um it's done on unreal engine 4 which uh definitely caused some technical issues at times when the game first dropped but the game is so stunning. It looks like yeah. it um it was built on an engine far superior than 4 cuz Unreal Engine 4 has been used for years at this point, but this game looks like it was made on Unreal Engine 5 or something different. It just the things that it is doing with with the art direction are insane. And graphics of course are a part of that, but it is using all these different styles and um, yeah. choices to really cultivate this deep narrative. And it, the art direction is actually at times used as like a puzzle storytelling element. It's used in the mechanics. It's, in, it's, it's hard to be descriptive about this game because it is such a unique out there game in so many different ways. So when, mm -hmm. when you hear Josh and I talking about this game and you're, and you're like, these guys really aren't saying that much about this. It's <laughs> because it's hard to describe. There's nothing like this game. Um, it's yeah. Like it's. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to put into words, man. Like, like the, there, mm. there are not a lot of colors used in this game. Um, whereas in 2016, Hyperlight Drifter was our, a definitive art direction, oh, yeah. favorite art direction of that year. And it's because it was using so many color palettes and a lot of them were unique so much so that it has inspired other games. And it actually yeah, inspired yeah. our logo. But when you look at Genesis Noir, it isn't using that many colors. There's a lot of blue, there's a lot of gold, there's a lot of black, there's a lot of white. Um, there are moments where that changes as well. And when it changes, it's for a very specific purpose stands out yeah yes um man and especially like talking about last week when we talked about the music and i i was trying to describe this this music video sequence the the game that's where the game blossoms with all the color and yeah. it has a lot of flowers so there's a pun there but <laughs> um yeah the way that the art and the music ties together in this game is um like the like the closest thing I can even kind of associate it with is some of like the more experimental animations and something like Fantasia where, yes. where the art is just trying, trying to convey the emotions of the music in, in a completely different media, uh, completely different <laughs> medium than, than 
but 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 they're both trying they're accomplishing the same goal or or attempting to in in unique ways and it's it's really it's really cool that was that that's another art style that was absolutely on my short list this year because it is just affecting. it's sublime it's yeah. it yeah the, well there there are two last things i want to say here cuz i don't want to go on to this game too much um more than we already have it's 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 penned as a like this kind of cosmic noir game and it's it's crazy to me because they are trying to tell this story and every element is trying to very much further this story along and there are moments where it plays with time and space visually but it also keeps that element of noir at the foundation of all of it so everything mm-hmm. you're doing even if it's like you're you're looking at the infinite cosmic expansion and that's part of the story um <laughs> and you're looking at um suddenly you're looking at this this graphic you're shooting down this hallway with the main character kind of looking it as almost as if it's a, it's a flip book kind of and you're getting this story told to you within a minute to two of you just flying through this corridor of this ancient warrior all of it's founded in the basis of noir and this cosmic yeah. feeling. Yeah. It's crazy how the visuals are able to keep those two elements just through the art direction while being as exploratory as it is. It's, it, it really is insane to me. Mm-hmm. Um, all, everything that that art direction does. But the other thing, and this is what Josh was saying, and it's a slight expansion upon that, um, the the art and art direction and the music have this mutualistic relationship and in biology mutualism is when both creatures benefit from a situation uh so for example if you have a water buffalo and there's a specific type of bird i can't remember the name anymore um it's been a while sweet d like master and blaster <laughs> sweet d yeah, exactly. You bitch! No, um, but anyways, so these birds sit on these buffalo, basically, and there's this mutualistic relationship where the birds eat the bugs that are attracted to the water buffalo because of the, because they're big and the the smell of them, and at the same time, the water buffalo are no longer annoyed by these insects, which can also cause them diseases. So both of these creatures benefit. That's what mutualism is in the biological world. So when I'm applying it to this, both of these elements benefit from each other. So the Mm -hmm. art direction is enhanced by the music, and the music is, in effect, enhanced by the art direction. And it's usually, not always, but usually one or the other. You watch a music video, the the music video is enhancing the music that you're listening to. Or Mm -hmm. there are oftentimes when you're watching... Oftentimes making it worse. Um, it depends on the music video. Yeah. Um, but when you're watching a movie or even playing a video game, sometimes the music exists to enhance what's happening on your TV screen or what's happening on the big movie screen. This is one of those rare cases for me that I've experienced where both really benefit from each other. And I definitely think, um, as much as I love the music, as I mentioned it last year or last week, um, the art direction is the stronger of the two between those two elements Mm. and um 
it, it just it goes into so many unique places. So um, I could say a lot more about it, but yeah. I'm gonna leave it there. It it just stands out so much. So if you haven't played this game, I really I said it last week. I'm gonna say it again this week. You really need to play this game. Yeah, you so, do. Yeah. Uh, Josh with Guardians of the Galaxy and Moon Down. Uh, that's M U N D A U N. For any of those who want to look it up, uh, it's a very creative-looking game visually. Uh, Rich with uh, the shocker of what's probably going to be this year, Fight Night, for favorite art direction, and my choice of Genesis Noir. So, um, Let's do one more category, and then we'll go on a quick break. I think that this upcoming category will be a quick, fun, and easy one, and it'll be a nice segue <laughs> into a break. I have a lot of questions about who's eligible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because so, I have two answers. Do they have to be from a video game? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, sort of. Um, so the, the way the, the question is worded, or the category is worded, is most punchable face in gaming in 2021. Now, people are like, well, what about, uh, you know, uh, streaming celebrities or whatever the fuck they're called? Um, I, I obviously, you could go with the easy route of saying Bobby Kotick from... Fuck Activision of Blizzard. There's, 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 two, there's, there's two Bobby Kotick's right here that uh, that may need to reconsider. Yeah, that's why I had a backup. <laughs> yeah, but I I would you know as fun as that would be, I think let's I think it'd be f- more fun to keep strictly in video games, not uh, developers, not mm-hmm. you know media people, what have you. Sex and, criminals. Uh, this category yeah. is pretty simple. Basically, it's a character who annoyed the fuck out of us this year. And um, we want to inflict not real, but uh, figurative or whatever body, fictitious, imaginative bodily harm to their face because uh, they annoyed the fuck out of us this year. And it would have been better if this character didn't exist. I just want the dreams to stop. (laughs) Josh, what was your most punchable face this year? I mean, the obvious choice is Bobby Kotick. Like, that's that's. The standout far and away. There's no other. There's no contender to this throne. Yes, is Bobby Kotick. I mean, it would be Ijuomo, but he's kind of kept his head low for the last yeah. little bit, trying, you know, happy to let someone else take the heat for the moment. Sure. Um, Like honestly, nothing nothing actually from a game comes close. Comes close. Um I know. Which I is know. the sad part of this cuz that was absolutely 100% my answer. Well, Josh, that's cuz the game people are cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. My the answer I have for this one came to me almost instantly and I was like there's no possible way this isn't the answer. Mine came pretty instantly, but I'm interested to hear what yours is anyway. Do you want? Should I just go while, while that's Josh what I was is... gonna say? While Josh is still kind of thinking about well, it, no, and maybe no, he'll I take... know who the, I know who the runner up is. I was just trying to remember the name because I only remember his first name, and I wanted to find the full name, which is killing me. Where's his full name? I'm 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 googling. I'm googling. So it's anyway. Okay. Well, while you're looking it up, this is we're going to break the rules really quickly. Let Rich go first while you're looking the name up, and then you can sure. go after Rich. Yeah, go do that. Do that. 
so usually I try and make this, um, like when I was thinking about this question, I initially tried to make it like a, a newer character, someone that came out of nowhere to be annoying. But this is a staple gaming character that appeared in a game this year, and I've never wanted to hit him more. And that's Chris Redfield. <laughs> oh, that is a great choice, actually. I didn't even yeah. think about him, but you're right. Um, his actions set the entire plot of Resident Evil 8 in motion, but the choices yep. he makes along the way make me want to slap the shit out of him. Yeah, his, no, that's that's fair. His decisions to just leave out information and leave Ethan in the dark and confused and not understanding the horrible things that are happening to his family for yeah. seemingly no reason. I, I don't I don't understand what you're doing, Chris. I don't get it. Yeah, the I uh I was talking with uh mutual friends of ours on online about this. And for me, and maybe this is my brain filling in the gaps, I don't know, and just getting sucked into the nonsense of this this uh story. But basically, from from what I was understanding is that uh, Chris at that point had known that Mia was not actually Mia. But yeah, um, no, he did. Right, and so he he comes in and he basically does what he does, shoots her up, steals uh, Rosemary, and then keeps Ethan in the dark because he's not sure if Ethan is influenced by Miranda mm. at this time. And I think uh, that's yeah. probably what part of his reasoning was, though. The game probably could have done a better job. But if that's the case, why would he leave him then? I always like to chalk it up as like Chris Redfield's well, gone. F- I mean, they did like try Rick to Sanchez. capture him. Uh, later, yeah. he. F- oh, yeah, that's true. You're right. He did. No, no, they did try and capture I him completely. Early on. About- I think that yeah. maybe what they thought was we'll take Ethan in, we'll try and get him back under his own consciousness, uh, yeah. being himself, more or less. Yeah. That's how I took it. It just but everything goes off really the rails before. We, yeah, we need to make explained. sure we need to make sure he's of sound mind before we debrief him. Yeah, um, yeah, that makes sense to a degree. I always just like to look at it as Chris Redfield has reached his like peak Rick Sanchez moment, and he's just like, there, "There's no, t- there's, there's no time, Ethan. We gotta go. There's, there's no time. There's, there's, yeah. there's an evil, there's an evil lady and your wife. We gotta, we can't get in the van. We gotta go." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you think it, when you put it that way, <laughs> Ethan is just Rick the whole time, or not Rick? Uh, it's just Morty the whole time, and he's one of the. Uh, I don't know about this, Chris. Oh, uh, Chris, Chris. There's werewolves. Take this shotgun. <laughs> yeah, and he's just one of the universe Ethans. Yeah, and yeah. that that before yeah. we get into too much spoilers, yeah. I mean, like you're not wrong. Chris is still a fucking dick in this game, and even if that was his reasoning, still a dick. He's still kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. the co- conversation he has with his uh, his uh, troop on the walkie when he's going to destroy the Mega My seat, and he the his troops like, I think you still should have still told him, Chris, and he's like, eh, well, I didn't. <laughs> that's I mean, that's the level of remorse. Well, he my feels. favorite level of Resident Evil Eight Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that game's pretty good. <laughs> yep. I do love Resident Evil 8 despite Chris Redfield. <laughs> like, no, I love that he is that way it, in that game. Ugh. It just doesn't make him any less of an asshole. Yeah. yeah. Fucking bold. He's an asshole. Idiot. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Great choice, Rich. That one I'm less shocked by. <laughs> Josh, what's your choice for this All category? Right, sorry. I finally found it. It's Dr. Hakeem, but Carlos, Carlos Hakeem. Oh, God, that's such a good pick. I can't believe I couldn't I remember his first from my name, consciousness. And, and I, I needed to know it for this. But yeah, Dr. Dr. Hakeem, the book from It Takes Two, who is like the self-help marriage counseling book <laughs> that your 
kid has, has attained sentience. Yeah, has managed to find, like, at the library, who knows where, trying to fix her parents' marriage. But anyway, he comes to life, and you're forced to deal with this self-help guru asshole who's fixing your marriage through the whole game. Through unlicensed therapy. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Carlos Hakim. Um... And you just yeah you 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 just want to you just want to fucking punch him for the entire length of the game. It's but but he like he's lovable, lovable. But you just want to God, you you just, you just fucking want to sock him. Um, that's a really good pick. That's yeah, awesome. First, it takes two sighting for this mm-hmm. year's game of the year stuff. <laughs> yes. And it's not in the most favorable of categories, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it works. I can't imagine they made that character without knowing that he's going to get on everyone's nerves in a right. in a way that kind of makes like it's 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 funny. It kind of it kind of does the job that he's attempting to do horribly, unintentionally by making him be just you know someone that you kind of can connect over hating mutually. Um, through through everything he's putting you through um does he does the book do a dream shake on either one of the main characters no no okay that's a little disappointing uh, they, uh, there could still be downloadable content if if uh could happen <laughs> if nobody understands that reference uh hakeem Olajuwon played for the houston rockets in the 90s and 80s he's famous for a move called the dream shake Look it up. I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys are going to be like, ah, oh, that was a shitty joke. Well, tough titties. I made it. Too late. Breast can't stop the dream shake and can't stop my shitty yep. jokes. Yep. Well, there you go. Dr. Carlos Hakim from It Takes Two. First sighting of It Takes Two. My mm-hmm. choice, uh, very easy. The more I've reflected upon this game, the more I feel how stupid and wrong I was for liking this game in the first place. I still think there are some, ga- some aspects of this game that are serviceable to likable, but overall, I was uh, very wrong about this game the more I thought about it. And this character was kind of one of the um, reasons why this game sucked so much dick, and it was the wife from 12 Minutes. Um, she was absolutely annoying She's the entire the game. And part of that is the writing. It has nothing to do with the voice ac- actress, uh, Daisy Ridley did an awesome job. All the all the voice actors and actresses in this game did a, they, a great job. They, they somehow did a great managed job. to nearly salvage that train wreck of a script. I don't think they, they nearly salvaged anything. They did a great job with the the word vomit they were handed. Yeah, yeah. I well, I yeah, I, I'm more in line with Josh, but I understand your reasoning as well, Rich. But the wife was just god awfully fucking annoying. Um, you know, she kept dying every twelve minutes. Well. <laughs> That's part of it. No, um, you know, early on in the game, and th- this is going to be spoiler territory. I should have mentioned that at the beginning of the show. Any of these categories are going to be subjected to some level of spoilers. There are going to be some that I'm going to avoid just simply because I want you to experience it for yourself instead of me spoiling it for you. I have no problem spoiling this game for you guys. Uh, early on, You're doing them she a says favor. a lot of re- really annoying shit, like. I didn't tell um, my father. Aren't you gonna come? Aren't you gonna come sit here and eat with me? And it's like, I don't appreciate you asking me these questions. We're done talking. And it's just like, and she just says a lot of really assholey lines in the game. And then, well, t- to be fair, she thinks she's a murderer at that point. 
So she's getting a little defensive. Yeah, a little defensive about you discovering that she's a murderer before before you find out that she's not a murderer, but she is a murderer, but she's not a murderer. Right. I mean, I've described to you since that game came out, every night at dinner, you, you just question your significant other about what happened to their father all those years ago. It's <laughs> a good point. What really happened that night? No, it... And she's not the only asshole in this game. Let's be clear right now. I think each and every one of those characters. Yeah. No, when you're playing that game, you're surrounded by assholes. Only one of them knows they're doing something really gross, though. Babe. Babe. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess you can make the case that the husband is even worse, but, um, you know what? Can I just say the whole cast from this game then? Yeah, I, I can. I can get on board with that. I think if you pick that, it's gonna end up winning it. I mean, are you guys comfortable <laughs> with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean, we can lock this one down in its entirety. I right mean, now. the cop's daughter seems like a nice person, but other than that, yeah, everyone. The main three characters of Twelve Minutes. <laughs> no, not just that. Even the per like even the nine one one operator. The nine one one operator. She's a the, bitch too. The the dad who gets killed before the entire game. He's a dick. Yep. Again, Everyone like the o- the only one who stands dick. a chance of not being completely punchable is the cop's also, daughter. That's 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 it. Also, the dad is also voiced by Willem Dafoe because they I guess they figured hey that won't make it a little bit confusing. I, I am true. still I confused, really confused if that's supposed that. to be something in universe that we're supposed to figure out or if that was well, just a know. well is, we've is got that- him here. No, but is that like that's the thing I was trying to figure out? Is the cop not real at all? I, I am. St- I can't <sighs> remember. I, I, I knew, I knew that whole story at one point, and then I just purged it because I was like, "This is, yeah." Like I feel like all they had to do was make a different voice actor the father. Yeah, and then or it's make infinitely... Willem Dafoe at least do a slightly different voice. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you don't yeah. pay for Willem Dafoe and have him put on a fake voice. Yeah, that's you're paying right. for Dafoe, you get Dafoe. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm honestly surprised he wasn't three other characters in that game. Was Why he didn't supposed he to be the Green everyone. Goblin in the last? Part? I have the same voice for everyone: the husband, the wife, the that, operator. All I, that would have been the amazing. Dafoe cut. <laughs> would have been a better game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game sucks ass. I, I, I think I. <laughs> I put in the WhatsApp last night when the Game Awards were going on, and they had 12 minutes in the nominees for Best Indie Game, and I was like, is this a joke? What, what happened here? What, what happened? Uh, that clearly tells you the amount of indie games that those people actually play. Like, yeah. everything else in those awards, though, was they were all great picks, except I was literally like, is this a joke? Like, this game does not deserve to be here. <laughs> it's like Kevin McAllister walking through his house. Buzz? <laughs> Is this a joke? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <that> was... <laughs> like Same it came exactly. up on the screen and I was like, good one. <laughs> <laughs> Buzz's girlfriend. Woof. 12 minutes. Woof. <laughs> no, when he looks at. Uh, the, yeah, no, the... I, I know the scene, yeah, yeah. but I just wanted to make it even weirder. Okay. Fair enough. <sighs> but anyways, uh, I guess. Okay. I, I'm changing my answer on the fly and we are. <laughs> We uh we are bending the rules a little bit to make my answer the whole cast from Twelve Minutes, every single one of them, and fuck it, yeah. we're gonna lump the daughter in because we don't discriminate. Mm. Everyone's yeah, getting get a punch. First chances, face. but uh, yeah, it's only Why'd fair. Why I have to call like three times before you'd agree to talk your father out of committing murder? Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, That's it was right. a really good movie. She was 
currently watching the trailers before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair. Well, at that... <laughs> She's watching at Avengers that, Endgame. Let me mention really quickly. <laughs> let's recap. Josh's Dr. Carlos Hakeem from It Takes Two. Chris Redfield from Resident Evil 8 for Rich, and my choice was the whole cast of 12 Minutes, which um, we will revisit and reselect probably that exact choice for our collective choice, but uh, we will revisit it just for the sake of being professional? Being thorough, rather. There you go. Professional just doesn't seem... No. Honest. We're talking talking about punching five people in one game. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not quite professional. But, Two uh, of them, William Willem Dafoe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Willem. Nothing personal to you. Whammy, whammy. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go take a quick break. Um, it's already been an hour and almost twenty minutes at this point. So, and we still got a lot of categories to go. So, don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more selections. You there, boy! What news? News, sir! New graphic designs over at store.swordchomp.com! New graphic designs at store.swordchomp.com! That's right, sir! My god! You can get all the designs you want on t shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases! They've done it. Those sword chomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now! God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! Hey, we're back. We're not going to waste any time with foreplay. Let's get straight into it, um, even though foreplay's fun. Favorite moment of this year. Um, this is Josh's least favorite category, so naturally we're going to start with him first. Exactly. Um, I have, get the shit I out have, of the way. I have N.A. written down here on this list. Um, okay. North America it is. North America. Best moment. Honestly... Kind of a low the, point. It's kind of a low point in North America. Is it the moment that it, twelve minutes ends? Is that your favorite moment? No, it like that's that's such a conflicted feeling because it's over. You're you're done with twelve minutes, but also that's it. <laughs> the ending is the worst part of it as well. So it's it's yeah. it's it it gives with one hand and it takes with the other. Um, I feel you. I feel you. It's kind of the end of that game, but but no. Um, my favorite moment this year was the first train ride in Eastward when you finally get mm. out um, of underground and and kind of see the world flying by as you're you're able to kind of take in the scope of this world. Um, for the first time um, is just 
It's a great moment. Just, just a, yeah, just a great moment. Um, I, I, I kind of, I kind of mentioned we were, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or not, so I'll get into it again, but I kind of mentioned how the, the intro to that game is kind of similar to Gurren Lagann. Where you're, you know, in this yeah. mining. We village. talked about that quite a lot. I couldn't. It's I couldn't remember if we talked about it on the identical. show or not. But um, um, I know. I know we talked about it, and at least, at least in our chat. But um, yeah, down to like, the point that John and Simone are both diggers by trade. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, and and in the same way as that series, finally getting above ground and seeing. Oh wow! the 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 world is so big. We we like got... every everything they've told me is a lie. There is so much out here. Yeah, yeah. Like we've we've got everywhere on the world to go now. Um, is is really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. that's <clears throat> that's definitely a solid choice. I uh, I didn't put any moments from Eastward for mine just because of recency bias, but mm-hmm. I'm glad somebody else put that moment because uh, I actually told one of my friends, and it's the same friend who I told last year to get into Ickenfell. Uh, they listened to me and picked up this game. And last night I was, you know, trying to cram this game, get it all done, so at least I could have some discussion about it because I knew it was going to pop up on these lists. And my friend was like, I just got to the moment where you see sunlight and you hit the train. I'm like, it's a great moment, isn't it? Right? And uh, yeah. yeah, so good. It's a phenomenal moment in the game. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Rich, what is your choice for favorite moment of this year? Uh, so it's funny. The one Josh said actually almost was mine. It was definitely on the short list of things I was thinking about. Um, this is going to fall under one of my choices that nobody else played this game, so I know it's not going to win, but I got to mention it anyway. Um, and it is a moment. Uh, so spoiler alert for people who want to protect this still somehow for a game that launched in January. Um, from Yakuza Like a Dragon when you are storming the uh the big clan headquarters to try and violently take down uh this yakuza group and you were talked up the whole time you were invading this place about uh this this sort of uh big shot in the clan who is going to make problems for you if you come in here and down the stairs descends a very important character from the original series of yakuza games one goro majima uh enters the fray eye patch and toe and it is just a really fucking satisfying moment. <laughs> All right. All right I'm, I'm typing it in. Okay. Yeah, I bet you are. I typed, storming the clan headquarters to take down a y- Yakuza group, and you run into Goro Majima? Correct. Okay, got it. Yeah, there was a lot there. But, yeah, I, I have no frame of reference, so I can't really yeah, like, no. add to the conversation. But it is always cool when a game manages to subvert your expectations and brings back an old character. I always love those moments. Yeah, it's not, and it's, it's, I think I'm probably talking about this on the podcast around the time I was playing the game. It's a moment that's written so well, because it's written as such this big impactful thing. And he's such an over the top character that if you haven't played Yakuza one through six, the moment's still really big. Cause this fucking lunatic comes charging at you with a knife. But, like, if you've played all the other games, it's like, I know that guy! (laughs) (laughs) I like him. Oh, cool. I mean... Yeah. I, yeah. I'm sorry, I wish I could add more 
Yeah, no, I, I, we really have I no excuse since they're on Game Pass. We just need to make the time for they're it. They're all there, man. Yeah. I gotta be honest, I tried playing one of them, and it was one of the old ones, and I was mm. fucking bored. I think it was, what is it, Yakuza Kizawa or Ki- Kiwami? Yakuza Kiwami, which is Kiwami the remake of 1. the remakes like, of uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2. Yeah, the yeah. Kiwami games are the remakes of 1 and 2. Um, some of them, mechanically, oh. they probably feel a little dated in spots, but I still think those are fucking great games. Well, it's, it's weird. Like, I tried playing that game, and it was just cutscene after cutscene after cutscene after cutscene. I was like, uh, my, what am I playing, a fucking Metal Gear Solid game at this point? Yeah, the greatest game ever made, the greatest story ever told. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> imagine, imagine complaining about playing Metal Gear. <laughs> what a fucking. I, I don't have to imagine. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's why I'm people not, hate. The me. only Metal Gear you should complain about playing is four. And even parts. Uh, listen, if you uh, four is not my favorite Metal Gear by a long shot, but there's some moments. Um. I feel like that. Who uh, doesn't love a burping monkey? Everybody loves the the monkey's there to remind you that you're playing Metal Gear. Exactly. Um, I feel like we got pretty far into game of the year without anyone doing it yet, and that really hurt my feelings. So I'm gonna quit. (laughs) 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 Breathe, Jay. I'm not even gonna acknowledge that. I'm gonna go straight into mine. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um. My choice for favorite moment is when Boris from Dodgeball Academia reveals that he doesn't have any powers towards the end of the game. Um, Basically, the whole game, there's this antagonist named Nino, who is opposite Otto, who is trying to get powers from the special dodgeball located on the campus. And he cannot awaken his powers. No matter what he does, he tries and joins other parties. He tries to read all his information. No matter what he does, Otto keeps kicking his ass, and he can't figure out why he doesn't have powers. So, towards the end of the game, and obviously it's a big spoiler, it's spoiling pretty much the entire game, he steals the special ball, and he's able to get powers. And um, he kicks Boris's ass, and... He goes up against Otto, and Otto and his team still beat Nino, and he's pissed, and he's like, what the hell? Like, I'm the strongest guy here. Why can I not beat him? And Boris reveals, dude, I don't have any powers. Like, powers I lame, never had dog. powers. And he, he's like, Boris was, was and is after Nino loses uh, the special powers from the ball. Boris reveals, like, he's the strongest character in the game. Um, you don't know if there are stronger characters out there, but presumably he is the strongest character in the game. And he got there by just working really hard, and that's due to his past and having to protect his little sister. And to me, I really like that moment because, uh, you know, it, it, it goes to show that there are certain people like Otto and some of the other characters who are gifted, who just, they are good at something. And th- that's, that's life. You know, there's some people that when they put fingers to the ivory keys on a piano, they're just, they're creative and they're innovative and they have the skill, they have the dexterity. And then there are other people that have to work really hard to get good at a piano or other, other skills, whatever, whatever you want to insert into there. And I love that the story partially focuses on that is like, yeah, there are some people that are just gifted, but you don't look 
at other people and say, why not me? And um, there's a moment in, granted, um, whatever opinions people have of the person, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about the TV show, uh, the TV show Louie, the sitcom. There's a moment in there, and I'll never forget this for as long as I live, and I've referenced it before, where um, Louie's daughter in the show is like, well, why does she, my sister, get this? Why don't I get this? And Louis makes the point, you don't look at what somebody else gets. You don't know the full picture of what's happening in their life. You look at your own life, and you worry about what's in your bowl, what's in your cup, what's happening in your life. You don't look at others and you say, why not me? You know, you provide those opportunities for yourself, or you recognize that maybe somebody else needs that opportunity more than I do. And um, this is just kind of another version of that really. And I, and to me, it's, it's been such an important part of my life. Um, I know this is not fun. This is actually serious. Sorry guys. But, um, I, I, you know, it's so applicable to my daily life of teaching children in Japan of, you know, there are moments where I'm like, Oh, why is this student being a dick to me? Why are they not actually trying so on and so forth? And over the years, I've really looked at it like, well, you know what, maybe there's something going on with the student's life and I can just be understanding and I can worry about myself and what I can do and what I can control. And I mm-hmm. really liked that this game that was very funny, was very lighthearted, also had these real messages kind of peppered in there. And this was one of the best ones that I could yeah. think of this year in a video game. So that was my choice. Yeah, no, I think that's a good, I think that's cool. a real good pick. Um, uh, I don't know if, if Dodgeball Academia really came up for me anywhere in any of this stuff that I can remember, but that, that I remember having a lot of fun with that game and us sitting down and talking about it to the wee hours of the fucking morning and me harping on everyone to play it. And clearly it, it, it worked once you had gotten into it, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know how uh, much you love that game. It's something that I've recommended anybody who loves Pokemon that in my life I, I've told others about. I'm like, hey, if you love Pokemon, you will like this game. And I've gotten some people to get on board with it, so... I'm glad because it is a fun game. It's not the greatest game. Um, this is it's got heart. It's got a lot of heart. And to be honest with you, this is going to be the only place it appears in um, this week's categories or list. But um, I'm glad I was just able to recognize it somewhere. To be yeah. fair, Cubo was on my short list for punchable faces. <laughs> Cubo <laughs> is a fucking punchable face. I even like Nino more than I like Kubo. By the end of it, I think Nino is more likable than Kubo. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, there there are, yeah. Yeah, or the hall monitor was a punchable face too. Yeah, that's fair. There are some punchable faces in that game. But There's a lot of dicks in that game. There are, but there are also a lot of really cool characters too. And a lot of dicks that really come around. Yeah, yeah, even Boris. Yeah. So, uh recap favorite moment for Josh was the first train ride in Eastward. Wonderful choice. Uh, for Rich storming the clan headquarters to take down a Yakuza group and you run into Goro Majima from Yakuza Like a Dragon, which I'm going to say is a great choice because I'm going to trust Rich on that. And mine was when Boris from Dodgeball Academia reveals that he doesn't have any powers, which is a very um, pivotal moment in the narrative. So, uh, mm. Shay, if you want uh, affirmation that my choice was the right choice, just know how people feel about that character. When they meet, remade Yakuza 2... They added a feature to it called Majima Everywhere, which was just we put more Majima in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I now I definitely know. And it, he was voiced by Mark Hamill in the original release of Yakuza it, when it had English uh, audio. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, there we go. Good choice, then, Rich. 
All right, so this category, upcoming one, favorite ecosystem, is one that's pretty unique to us. Um, it originally started because I went to school for biology, and we used to do something called bio breaks on the show, where um, it didn't really fit, but it was always fun to do it. It was kind of a little break from the gaming talk where we'd take a scientific article and I would kind of break it down in layman's terms, and we would discuss it on the show. Um, Again, it didn't really make sense for a video game podcast, but it was always fun to do. So we figured one cool kind of way to marry the two is to do a category at the end of the year for that. So thus was born Favorite Ecosystem. We've been doing it for years now. And um, to give you kind of a window into what we're looking at there, I mean, it's it's pretty self-explanatory, but just as a kind of a further enforcement of kind of what has won in the past and that gives you an idea um of what we're trying to look at here for 2017 it was horizon zero dawn 2018 it was red dead redemption 2 2019 was pokemon sword and shield that was kind of a dry year for us there was there weren't a lot of great ecosystems and games that year last year was animal crossing new horizons and so this year is going to be fun i i'm i'm really curious to hear your guys' choices uh, for this category. So Josh, kick it off. Yeah. I think there was more competition again this year. Um, a lot more. Um, like you said, last year was kind of like, okay, this one gets it. Cause there is an ecosystem. It's the um, only one really trying. Yeah. 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 Um, whereas this one, there were some different stabs at it from wildly different directions. Um, which was neat. Like it kind of gave me options. Of like, okay, like, do I want to think of this more of in a semi sort of way, more like the, you know, more in a like kind of personal relationship to it, sort of a, a vibe. Like, how how do I want to take this? Which is always always a good problem to have. Um, um, the one I ended up going with was kind of again more of that semi feeling to it that, like, okay, this this is a world that I can really study for a while and kind of get to to know um like everything operating on its own rules and and coming together to make a cohesive whole that feels real that um you just you know by the time you're 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 done with the experience it it's an actual place um in in your mind I'm um, I'm nervous for this one. I have no idea what it could be. All right. Uh I'll I'll give you some runners up later on, but um the one that I really Pac-Man 99. The one that I really <laughs> got oh, that sucked year, into this year um was Jet the Far Shore. Um I knew it. Because the like just the main premise of that game is you you found this new planet that humanity is going to move to and you are you're the scouts on this um you know generation ship with with everyone who's going to eventually settle on this planet and your job is to go in there and and study the environment to You're find there out, literally to catalog the, the flora and fauna, yeah. Yes, and to, like to find out, okay, like uh, 
these weather patterns are going to cause problems for us. And, and maybe this is, this is a spot where it's going to be more favorable for us to make more permanent settlements. Um, and, and this fauna is, you know, going to react to, to our presence in this way. Like, you yeah, know, we're encroaching on like a hive of X yeah, like, here. Yeah. These ones are really territorial and, and this one doesn't like loud noises. So maybe, you know, we can, we're fine around them as long as we're, you know, not doing any sort of industrial stuff that's going to aggravate them in their habitat. And it's, and it's about trying to make your whole civilization somehow seamlessly transition to a new planet um, and everything that entails. Um, and narratively, I, lo- I love a lot of what they're doing with that setup, but I think even, even more so than that is just the, the environment itself and, and how it feels like it's something you, you, you learn to take advantage of to, to kind of live alongside um, is, is, it's really spectacular. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a world that I can think of like as, as a cohesive place because of how they handled it. Interesting choice. I, that's not what I would, yeah, had no idea. I had no idea. That's what it was going to be. <laughs> what were some of your runner ups for this uh, category? Uh, some runners up were nuts from the beginning of the year, which is that the squirrel um, camera game? The squirrel camera game. The squirrel pornography you're, game? Where you're, you're on a, like a biological survey of an area trying to stop a corporation from building in an area. Because That was one of my runner-ups, too. Even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the game, I liked the aspect of the ecosystem the most. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a really cool thing. Is like, okay, you're specifically studying this one animal in a particular area because, you know, of real world reasons why you would do a study on a species. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, I never played that game, but boy, like from looking at it, when you guys were talking about it, boy, do I love the aesthetic of it. It's a cool aesthetic. Like the two, two things that are really cool are the aesthetic and the actual um, giving you a reason to study like Red Dead Redemption two. There, there is a narrative reason, a sub-narrative reason to research because you're helping a, a biologist in the wilderness, but there's no real gratification well, for doing all of that work. The, the, Where, the funny as, thing is with that, Jay, and I feel like, sorry to cut you off, I wanted to say it while you were on Red Dead Redemption, I feel like- and oh, this I was going to say on Red Dead. <laughs> oh, no, oh, oh, sorry, yeah. Um, while, like in 2018, I think- Actually, post-2018, rather, is what I was going to say. I think there's even more of an argument for that having a great ecosystem because I haven't played it, but my understanding is Red Dead Online added, like, this whole tract where you could just become a trapper and, Mm. like, the focus so much more on studying the ecosystem and, like, learning about the animals and make that the entire focus of how you play and level, Um, which is That is cool. I hadn't heard that. That's I like when games give you that sort of flexibility because Star Wars Online... When it launched, you could be a moisture farmer if you wanted. Yeah, you can. Um, I mean, Red Dead Online did a bunch of shit like that. Like, you could be a moonshiner now, and your entire day could be brewing moonshine, and then at night doing runs yeah. and avoiding the authorities. Like that's that's really cool. I like when games let you do that, and then it got revamped, and they took away all the boring stuff and killed the game by 
by not allowing you that freedom anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. But w- with with nuts, you feel like there's a purpose because it actually serves the narrative. The narrative mm-hmm. is interesting enough. I don't think it's overly um, exciting or anything like that. And probably doesn't some, need to be though. Well, yeah, and some of the gameplay elements were a, a bit lackluster at times. There, there were issues sometimes I had with um, some of the mechanics of the game. But I would say it was a fun game, and if you find it on sale, it's it's worth checking out. But it definitely has yeah, one I'm of the more intro interesting myself. ecosystems of this year. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely on the short list. I thought it was cool environment and and used for a narrative reason really effectively so Mm. cool well jet the far shore was josh's choice rich follow it up uh i'm here to follow it up uh i think josh had a really good pick it was i'm here to listen you follow it up that yeah i'm i'm here for it that (laughs) uh that would have been my my runner-up would have been jet the far shore i kind of thought josh was going to go with that Mm. uh interestingly enough what i ended up going with and this is probably tensei five no, no, I don't. I don't really think I have much of an argument for that. Made well, um, I, I mean, just I know all the demon, the demon creation you can do in that game. I figured you might go that. Yeah, route. I guess I don't know if I lump that into the the ecosystem of it, but uh, more of a society. It, sure, um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it is those uh, demons live in a society. We live in a society. Um, it is more of a series of games that I really like the ecosystem stuff in and. I think this is the best so far. Monster Hunter Rise for me. Mm. Um, that came out this year? Yes, it did. Fuck. That seems like ages ago, but yeah, that did come out at the beginning of the year, yeah. Yep, it was March. Yep. Um, so yeah, Monster Hunter Rise, uh, I think it takes some of the best bits from Monster Hunter World and just further expands upon it. Like, one of Monster Hunter World's biggest like claims to how things were going to be different are... The way there's like you you have multiple large monsters in one instance and they sort of will interact and get territorial and fight and stuff like that. And with uh with Rise, they expanded upon that in more interesting ways. Some monsters behave a little bit more territorial. Some of them will get more aggressive towards other monsters when they're injured. Or uh when they see an injured monster, they'll prey upon it, stuff like that. Um the addition of the wire bug, which was the new way to sort of get around, you use this insect to throw these wires and sort of move more quickly and get jump up tight spaces can also be used on medium and large size monsters to sort of wrangle them. And you're able to use that to move monsters into other monsters territories and directly attack them with them. And it, it it gives you a cool tool set to pit the ecosystem against itself. Mm. And in a series that is already known for having really great ecosystems with lots of different plants you can use to your advantage and animals you can pit against each other. It just makes it even more impressive with the stuff they added in Rise. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, when I played Monster Hunter World, that was a, a beautiful equos- ecosystem, and I know some other people chose it as their personal choice that year. So Rise expanding upon that only makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the fact you get three different mounts. You said that earlier this year, right? Or not three different mounts, three different types of uh, companion characters. Um, it is, it's two, you, the original Palicos, which yep. you could always do the, the cats. And then the new companion type is the Palamute, um, That's right. which is That's sort right. of a, a Malamute type dog that you can also, I, I understand why you said mount now, because the Palamute is an interesting companion choice because you can also use it as a mount. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. For some reason I was thinking you get a mount, you get a dog and a cat, but the dog and the 
mount. The dog and the mount are one and the same. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I think that's a solid choice. Yeah. Um, you guys know what my choice is? Pretty sure you do. I is it Biomutant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be. Yeah, that that easy choice for me. Um, is it the most amazing ecosystem in a game ever? No. Uh, I, I'm sure you can make a case that even Monster Hunter Rise is a better ecosystem than Biomutant. For but for me, I spent a lot of time playing Biomutant. Um, I wrote a review about it. I talked about it to death to these guys' uh, unfortunate uh, unfortunateness. They had to hear about it a lot. Listen, Shay, I make jokes, but I'm glad you really love that game. I'm I'm happy that you found something to really like there. Well, it's it's not in like. It's not a great game. I will never say that, but it is a good game. No, and there's I, I a don't, lot. I don't think it's hot garbage either, despite the fact that I've said that multiple times. I know, I know. <laughs> you just like you just like pissing me off because it's easy. Yeah, yeah. No, just dig a little deeper. Yeah, but no. Biomutant. One of the cool things is you are interacting with a lot of different animals in there, and the wildlife, and it's evolved in a way that it, it it's cool that the the studio tried to take the post-apocalyptic setting and take it somewhere interesting instead of it being as much as I love zombies and as much as I love uh irradiated wastelands um people How about talking big, raccoons well yeah they they took it a step further and they're like well yeah. if post-apocalyptia did happen and the humans were wiped off the face of the earth what would happen to the animals that survived well, naturally, and it goes it goes so much farther in the future than most things do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. They they were describing it as a post post apocalyptia, which is kind of funny. But um, yeah, naturally, animals would start to evolve because there'd be all these things around uh, that they can't use or they don't quite understand. Would some of them develop a hyper awareness or a deeper consciousness? Would they become more anthropomorphic versions of themselves who knows um i'm sure we have computer programs and systems that could possibly extrapolate in turn in terms of if certain events were to happen what would animals become but i think it was a fun here's the tools that gophers would use once they evolve exactly <laughs> i i i think that there was just something really charming about the fact that they use the ecosystem itself to become not only the characters, but they become the center of the story. And not only that, but they are referential, uh, incidentally and on purpose, to the past. You know, um, we talked about it a yeah. lot. One of the best parts about the game is when the animals in the ecosystem are talking about things that ancient humans used, <laughs> like... Like Josh said earlier, in favorite weapon, toilet brushes, but they have a different name for that. The, the uh, up and TVs, down they have for the elevator. Names. Yeah. That's the yeah. one I always remember. Um, yeah. You know what's funny is I, I do remember now that Biomutant used that term, but immediately what came to my mind, it's insane. The post-post-apocalypse, that's not the first time I've heard that terminology used in a game, but in Biomutant's way, maybe it's a little more less heavy-handed. I think I talked about this at one point last year. It would have come out the game Rad. Um, oh yeah. Rad yeah. also classified itself as a post-post apocalypse, but in the universe of Rad, there was an apocalypse. Uh, humanity sprung back up and then caused a second apocalypse. Yeah, used it for a different reason. They they happened yeah. twice, um, which is hilarious. But um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
the, I think there's evidence of that kind of happening in not necessarily it's conclusive in human history already. I mean, you look at, oh, um, yeah, no, what is it? Ancient Mesopotamia. Is that what I'm thinking of? Um, uh, the ink, the ink, not the Incas, uh, the Mayans, the Mayans. Thank you. The Mayans, um, there, there's there a lot of evidence that they were an advanced civilization and they kind of wiped themselves out. Or some white folks did. Or that, yeah. Uh, who knows? But th- there, there's evidence of that, that, you know, there, that wouldn't necessarily be post-apocalyptic, but it would be something akin to that. So. Yeah, it's like the fall of Rome, but on a small, slightly smaller scale. Yeah. Um, can Where we... Is- can we talk about this? Not after the show, because I'm probably going to go to bed, but I don't want to forget it. I want you guys to remind me and just tell me if you've heard of this before, because I can't wait to have this conversation with both of you. Are you familiar with the medieval found footage conspiracy theory? Oh, that uh, Rome didn't exist? No, no. Uh, this is weirder and make and might involve time travel. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I saw an article headline that there is a... Uh historian on tiktok that is saying that rome never existed well if he's on tiktok <laughs> she okay I, or they, I, I, I don't know I, you know the weirder part is if it is she i was just willing to give women more credit <laughs> something that stupid i believe that could have only come from a man yeah, yeah. no a woman a woman doctor doesn't come up with that sort of thing that's yeah <laughs> that was my thought <laughs> who knows who knows but uh found that interesting but no um to to sum up by immune it just it it takes the the setting and takes it in interesting ways. There are a lot of different type, types of creatures and characters, both good and bad, that you encounter in the game, and uh, it's really fun. I think that's one of the most charming parts about the game is the ecosystem yeah. itself. So. Yeah, cool. I love I love the world in that game. That was my favorite part of it is is just exploring and and seeing how everything is adapted to to all those you know changes in the environment this is really cool really cool yeah. changes yes so yes <laughs> for josh jet the far shore slight shocker there to me uh, rich monster hunter rise and myself with biomutant and now we're going to move on to favorite gaming mechanic um i'm interested to hear your guys's take on this one so let's not waste any time josh what was your pick for this category this was nearly my tie. Um, I kind of it was up. In, I was up in the air until until the last minute whether or not my tie was this category or the last, or not not the last, but but the uh, the art direction. Um, but just I, I felt like the art direction kind of were were two completely different things that I wanted to highlight for different reasons. Um, so I ended up going with that one. Um, my favorite mechanic this year is how do I explain this? Um, the the entire game basically of two D and top D, um, which is a two D game, but it's a side scrolling game. And a top-down game at the same time, um, where you are playing as two different characters, one of which sees the level you're currently on from the top down and can kind of walk around wherever, like like you know, like any other top-down 2D game. 
and the other character is looking at the exact same level like it's a 2D side-scrolling platformer. Um, and the gameplay kind of revolves around getting both of them where they need to be um, through each level. Um, which is way more puzzly and kind of thoughtful during the main levels, and then we'll get really frantic and mechanically intricate um, in other levels, like the m- most, all? I'd say all. I'm not 100% sure, but all, all the worlds end with a boss fight, which is kind of taking a lot of the ideas that you'd seen in that world and making you perform them kind of under much more strict conditions with a boss attacking you um, while all that is, is happening while, while you're trying to accomplish those, those same platforming uh, challenges, which is really cool. Um, It's, it's just, it's such a cool idea of the idea. I I don't know if you ever did this as a kid, but how, how many of you, I'm assuming it's all of you because I'm a narcissist. So of course my experience is universal. Um, at some point as a kid, we're, we're laying on the floor on your bed or wherever, looking up the ceiling and thinking, what if gravity worked the other way? How, how would I get around this house? I still do that now. Right? Um, and it's that as a game mechanic. Like, what, what if I have to navigate this, you know, um, this environment in more than one way? Um, and it's really, really satisfying to play. Um, just, just tickles, tickles that, you know, that, that, that nerve in the, in the same sort of way as, you know, you'll, you'll imagine things as a kid. Um, it's, it's, it's really satisfying. It's, it's something that kind of surprised we've, we've not seen more of honestly, but, but this game is kind of, I'm sure I've missed something cause you, there's, there's no way you can keep up on everything, but at least personally, I've, I've not experienced that before. And it was so satisfying to experience this year uh, mm. in 2D and top D. Mm. Yeah. I never got around to that game, but that's a cool one. And I remember looking at screenshots and, and thinking that that looked super inventive. I think that's a good pick. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. I like that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get around to that game either. Unfortunately. Uh, Rich, what was your choice? Uh, similarly to Josh's vague this entire game <laughs> thing, um, I went with basically the entire hook of like mechanical ideas in It Takes Two, uh, being the tight 3D uh, platformer that then constantly changes its mechanics. But what I mean by having interesting mechanics is constantly giving you two abilities, one for each player that totally play off each other. Mm. Like the, the opening areas, you know, 
one player is throwing nails into spots on the wall and the other player is using a hammer to swing from them and reach platforms. Um, like, it's always something different, but the, the through line is the same. It's each character on top of the normal 3D platforming stuff possesses an ability that's going to aid, work in tandem with the other player's ability yeah. to help you navigate this section of the world. Yeah, completely unique, but complementary uh, in, in every case through the game. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things that Josh and I talked about it at the time as we were playing through that. It's got such a perfect pace to it because every mechanic feels innovative and tries crazy different stuff. And then just as you might start to be like, all right, this thing is maybe as worn out as welcome, a new thing's introduced that's just as interesting. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's a case really where any of them are bad. Yeah, hmm. yeah. That's cool. I think that's a really good choice. I think that's a smart choice, too. I think that's part of the reason why um, it got the uh, Game of the Year award at yeah. the Game Awards. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I th- like, that game shines in some very specific places. Uh, I personally think the story is a little bonkers for people that really want to, like, hammer home on that story, <laughs> but, like, it plays so well and looks so good that none of that really mattered to me. Well, yeah, that's a nice choice. Um, for me, this one was actually my least favorite one to pick for this year. I had a really hard time just coming up with an answer altogether for this category. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, one of one of the runners up for me was uh, getting the balls for the gotcha uh, mini game in Eastward that allow you to unlock special bosses in the mini game Earthborn. Oh, so Amiibos. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I liked that, but for me, I just went with something simple. It's the levitation ability in Psychonauts 2. Um, Sure. As that, it it, it made traversing in that game a lot easier and a lot quicker. A game without a a dash ability. Um, You have to do that, and it ended up being the inspiration for one of my favorite uh, levels in that game where you have to stand on top of a giant bowling ball and basically move around what are little obstacle courses in one of the levels. So, yeah. Um, yeah. They actually took one of the mechanics that is basically used for, for travel. Not only did they make it a weapon, but also they made it um, a puzzle as well. They built an entire level around it, and I, th- I think it is one of the, the cooler levels in that game. So, yeah, I think that's a good pick. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's an interesting one too because the levitation is probably the most broken thing in the original Psychonauts, which is oh, as far as breaking the platforming goes, yeah, levitation yes. is key in that. Um, yeah, there's there's so many weird physicsy things you can do with the original one that 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 was kind of why the game was as broken as it was and and kind of in places completely inaccessible. And most of the changes they made to the platforming kind of revolved around that basic jump and levitation. Uh, move set um, to make everything way more um, just polished than the first mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun in this game, too. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say that. I had a lot of fun using levitation in the different ways in this game, so it's my favorite mechanic, gaming mechanic of this year. Pretty yeah. easy choice. Uh, Josh, what was the name of the game? I didn't write it down for some reason. For, 2D for and Top D, but again, that's a game. Because... That's the game's name. Oh, oh, the 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 mechanic. 
no the name the name of the game yes. 2d and top d the oh 2D, that's the name of 2d the game. and okay. top d is is the name of it it's i don't again i don't know how to exactly explain in a short summary what that no no i got is, but yeah, i yeah, got yeah. it yeah. i got it i just said the 2d side scrolling and top down views in 2d yes, and top yeah. d yep. and i think your your explanation did it perfectly i just i didn't realize that that was the the title of the game 2d and top d Yes, uh, 2D, T-O-O-D-E-E. Again, they've got to make this hard because it's things you think you can spell. T-O-O-D-E-E and then T-O-P-D-E-E. I know, it's right. It's For anyone curious about this who wants to go... It's not the easiest thing to search, so it's probably good to clarify it on here. Yes, exactly. It's one of those things where you're not... That's not going to be your first guess if you're trying to Google this. So we'll, yeah, no, because we'll, we'll I, I looked up screenshots to verify as you were talking about it, Josh, and it was in fact my third guess that finally got me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, games got to start, or developers got to start working on better titles. SEO well, is hard, man. Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're running out of names. We're gonna have to start reusing them all. Well, we already started doing that. I mean, yeah, Triple, it takes AAA two. started doing that. It takes two is is like four other properties. I don't know if you guys heard they're, they're getting sued by Take-Two Interactive. Christ, yeah, those that. fucking assholes. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But, uh, 2D side-scrolling and top-down views and 2D and top-D, uh, rich with two abilities that complement each other in It Takes Two when you are controlling both characters. And I chose Levitation and Psychonauts 2. So. Yeah, Coolio. Let's do one more category before we go on our second break. Um, yes, dear. The this category I'm very excited for. It's the most influential game of 2021. Um, this came from a discussion last year where we were talking about it'd be fun to kind of discuss the impact that certain games have um, that we are predicting are going to have an impact in the future. And that could be for a whole host of reasons. If it's because of the amazing soundtrack or the implementation of sound design, it could be... um, So think of like Hellblade and its implementation of sound design and how influential that's been. Or it could be the art direction and how impactful that's been. Think of Cuphead. Or think of the narrative and the choices that are made in that. For some people, um... I'm not saying anybody here, and I know I'm going to get some shit for this. Um, for some people, The Last of Us 2, and the way they tell the story where you play the protagonist, and then you end up playing what's perceived to be the antagonist, so you're playing as a deuteragonist, through, uh, two deuteragonists throughout the whole game. The fuck you call Just me? Just like Bill and people? Ted. <laughs> exactly like Bill and Ted. They're fucking deuteragonists. Dude! 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 <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> No, for some people, that's going to be a very influential game uh, uh, game narrative that's going to influence other games. Things like that. That's kind of what we're thinking here. Um, it can be anything. So uh, I'm curious to hear what you guys came up with. My my answer was just came up for me immediately when I thought about this. But uh, Josh, what did you think or what do you think is going to be the most influential game in 2021 and it's going to influence other games beyond this, this year? Oh, this is a hard one for me because like you, you may have noticed early, early on here that AAA has been a little quiet this year, um, which kind of feels like it makes this a, a hard thing to gauge um, 
because there's there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happened this year, but as far as reaching a wide like um, bordering on universal audience, that's hard to say. Um just because it, it does feel like these are games with kind of smaller, a little more insulated audiences. Um and so because of that, I kind of went with one that I'm big enough and I'm being hopeful here that, you know, the industry as a whole sees it and, and decides that it is worthwhile to take inspiration from. Um, but Psychonauts 2 being a follow-up to a property that is... a decade and a half old um, and doing as well as it did finding is, mass market success is, is something that I really hope um, some other IP holders of stuff that I've enjoyed forever ago that just disappeared. Take notice of and, and realize that, this property is still valuable and us sitting on it and killing it for no fucking reason is not in our best interest. And, and I'm hoping, I really hope that other companies that have got these back catalogs of games that we just haven't seen in a long time will, will notice Psychonauts 2 and from a purely you know self-centered perspective finally give us new entries into them well yeah i i want to say a few things there i i agree that i think that that this game definitely deserves a nod for this category i think we've seen a a moderate resurgence in the action adventure platformer the 3d ones from our ps1 and ps2 days uh, we yeah, saw, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think one of the big, when I first took notice was when Crash got its insane trilogy, that whole remaster. And yep. then we saw Spyro and we've seen Ratchet and Clank re- recently. We saw Medieval uh, get a remaster and we're seeing a lot of these games get remasters. One of those didn't and, do as well as the others. That, yeah, that would be Medieval for sure. But mm. um, unfortunately... Love that game. Still yeah, that wasn't it. like a, a personal like fuck you to medieval. It's just no. an unfortunate fact because no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's a series that never got the love it deserves. To be honest with you, and mm-hmm. then it was sort of kind of abandoned. Like I own that PS4 game. You can't even play that on a PS5. <sighs> that's such that's Ugh. such shit. It's such a good game, but um, even the even the remaster of it is still a gorgeous game. But anyways, um, th- those aren't the only examples. Those are the ones that come to my mind. So I think those games, and especially that Crash Insane Trilogy, really paved the way for something like Psychonauts 2 to be revived, even though it was probably in the works before that game was released. Um, oh, it was, it's was. it been in development yeah, been, for a, about a decade. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's like, been, it, been a while. But I'm sure it was um, sitting there in development for a while like, is this really going to do well? And then seeing how well the mm-hmm. crash insane trilogy did, they're like, well, fuck. We, all right. Yeah, there is a well, market for this. Let's get, let's get back to work. Let's as it all as a testament to this. those markets. Like the crash one did so well, they revived its spinoff cart racer. 
Yeah. And yeah. Not yeah. only that, they released a new Crash game, which was awesome too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, but psych, I, I think that this uh, Psychonauts 2, and it might be because it's a slower year, who knows? But it's, I think, in some ways, seen even more mainstream su- success well, than the Crash Bandicoot games. It was a it's, lot of people's first introduction to the series. And even those people that had never played the first one, like yes. anyone I've talked to about it, was like, that game really took me by surprise. That was a great game. Yes. It, it is yes. way more approachable than Crash as well, because Crash kind of kept a lot of the hardcore. Of that generation, mentality, platforming, challenge. um, Yeah, some of it arguably harder. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas, kind of like I said, with a lot of the changes to Psychonauts two, they made it way more approachable than the original was. I I think a big part of that too is with something like Crash or even something like Spyro. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot of narrative or story there, and there's not a lot of getting to know the characters now crash four introduced some level of story that the other three didn't really have and it was funny and it was quirky and it was zany but it didn't have the level of polish in the narrative that psychonauts 2 had yeah no that certainly not clearly not the focus as opposed to just the gameplay the, the the platforming in it so. Right, and I think that's part of the reason why Psychonauts 2 felt so modern is because mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't it was like, oh, we have this crazy quirky kid named Raz who is a Psychonaut who has all these abilities and he's just going to go like save the world. And like they actually interwove um, a bunch of narrative and, you know, albeit sometimes the, the narrative was a bit convoluted at times and I think they were trying to... Um, they were trying to do some really creative and cool and interesting things with that narrative. And sometimes it got a little bit too complex for my taste, but I still think that I think it, it works more often of, than not. Like the, the fact that they were trying to reach that far and a lot of almost the entire time they hit the mark really well, yeah. that it is going to inspire not only uh, future developers who want to do these third or 3d uh, action adventure platformer style games, but, the fact that we can have these quirky games that are lighthearted, that are silly, that kind of seem like they're for young adults, but for children, but also for adults at very drunk points. adults. But they also <laughs> have um, deeper themes and thematic elements, which is something that, um, <laughs> as you made a joke about it earlier in the show, Josh, that we did a Chomping After Dark very recently for that. And we <laughs> talked about a lot of those deeper elements that this yeah. game has. So it, it is a very well-rounded we one time. game, and the fact that they were able to bring it into 2021, like you said, 15-plus years later, and for it to feel yeah. modern, yet referential to the past and nostalgic, it's, it's, there's a reason why it was nominated at the Game of the Year Awards for being one of the best games, and I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, st- I stole your explanation, <laughs> but... No, no, uh, like, there's a lot to talk about with that game and yeah i i do i hope it's influential because i think there's a lot that i'd like to see from other properties that that game did so well um and i'm yeah just totally yeah i'd I'd love to see that kind of that model be something we see more of yeah me too um rich what is your choice for most influential game of 2021 so mine might be a little more of a reach, but hear me out because it is about uh, being hopeful that uh, it can see fit to be a little influential. 
My pick is Inscription. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because Josh and I have talked ad nauseum about this game. It's going to come up in other places over the course of these Game of the Year shows, I assure you. Um, that game is so weird in terms of its layered storytelling and jumping around with like game mechanics and immersion and art and all the weird stuff it's doing. Daniel Mullins has made this sort of weird shit before, but this is the first time I feel like the mainstream press is really talking about it, and maybe even less so in like circles of a lot of people playing games, but in circles of industry people, I feel like everyone I know in the industry is talking about this game. Yeah, yeah. And that makes me hope some of the weirder shit and like different elements of storytelling and layering in weird game mechanics sort of seeps into the industry as a whole and people are willing to take more of a risk on weirder things like this. Um, it's hard to tell if that'll really pan out, but it's just, that game blew me out of the water and is undoubtedly one of my absolute favorite things I played this year, and I I really hope people take some of those ideas and, and go places with them. Yeah, yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. I mean, Josh, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I mean, it is all over the place, kind of like you said, just does unexpected things, but also I I feel like Inscription is a little also more cohesive, where it, like, you know, kind of the, the underlining, underlying this is a card game. Yeah. Mechanics that are, that are kind of the base of everything. It's a really satisfying card game. And, and I think having a mechanic that's so solid that you can then throw absolutely basically jump rope with it, anything at it and it will still be watertight is what makes it just those it, it takes it yeah that's one of the other parts that i really hope seeps through is that idea of like listen i took a very base mechanic that works and is satisfying and now we're essentially going to skip rope with it and give you a million ways to break it but it's kind of by design like i'm yeah. still learning things about that game from people that are still playing it it'd be mm-hmm. like i remember talking to you about the whole uh the ringworm card thing yeah and people are telling me other crazy shit you can do in that that like there's so many points of like well somebody's never going to do this but if they do That'd be crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting choice. Yeah. I, again, one of those games that um, I heard you guys talk about a lot that I wanted to try out, just didn't have the time for it. So, um, but not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. Uh, for me, I think this is going to come as a, as a surprise to no one. Um, Genesis Noir was my choice for this. And I know that. It's kind of hard to say that because I said this is a game that not enough people are talking about, but every single person I have talked to that has played this game has said it is fucking nuts, crazy, never experienced anything like it, and um, it's wild, and everybody I've talked to who has played it has said it is a must-play. Yeah. Um, it's something that I think not necessarily AAA developers will look on and say it's influential, but I definitely think that it's going to influence a lot of indie developers from here on out because the way the way it's kind of similar to Kenna in terms of like the fact that the graphics look this good on an indie game is impressive and influential alone kind of similar to like a cuphead as well but mm-hmm. not only that just without retreading ground too much the fact like I talked about that mutualistic relationship between the art direction and the music is also influential in its own way in how um 
both of those benefit so supremely by being so good and how integrated they are yeah. is just insanely impressive. But I think one of the other things that really impresses me is the storytelling in this game. While it is not my favorite story or narrative that has been told this year, I definitely think that it is a strong narrative in the way that it's told. You are basically yes. given you are given the ending at the beginning, which is not nothing new, but the way you learn how to get to the ending is something that is so abstract and so just peculiar in the best way possible. I, again, that, that is probably the most intangible aspect of this game. And it's the hardest to describe is the narrative and how you get from the beginning to the end, because it is wild. Um, yeah. There are so many things about this game that I could see other developers taking from it and making its own. Yeah. 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 I don't want to retread ground too much here. It's just there's a lot to like about this game. Um, listen to our discussion when we talked about when I chose it as one of my favorite songs for last week and kind of the discussion we had earlier in the podcast as the reason why I think it's going to be influential. Um, I think mine's probably the most controversial take of the three of ours on this list, but I think once more people actually play this game, because it is on Game Pass right now still. Yeah, I think my take's also kind of bananas insane, to be fair with you, Shay. But um, you have talked so much about this game that I really don't know if I'll have the time. I really want to try and make time to play it before we sit down again next week. <laughs> I, I, the thing I would say is put like one to two hours into it. Sure. I mean, you don't need to have played the whole thing. You should. Like, no, it's come up so many times that I wish I had already. Um, that, dude, that's why I was harping on you earlier this year. I was like, dude, you really need to make time to play this game. This is the one game yep. I know is going to pop up a lot in this game of the year. Stuff. And I was like, it's, I don't have time. Only, and I was playing Angry Birds on my phone. Yeah, it's only like five hours, five, six hours, depending on how much time you take with it. So it's, it's, it's a doable thing. You can, you can sit down and play it in a, in a sitting or two. Sure. Yeah, fuck Spider-Man. Play Genesis Noir. There you go. Spider-Man's cool, man. I, those tickets cost me like $40. <laughs> God damn. Well, it's for two tickets. Oh, okay. Well, less goddamn. And plus, Genesis Noir, you already have Game Pass. That's true. <laughs> no, no, go to Spider-Man. But, I would, but, I would but go, JoJo Park. Oh, go to no, I'm not blowing off night. Spider-Man for it. I paid for the tickets. <laughs> yeah. That was never an option. Well, it like it was, it should have been just for my plus, sake. Plus, JoJo Part Five is out. There's a lot going on. I right. have to finish that Shovel Knight thing. <laughs> no, I get it. There are priorities. So, um, but yeah, that's that's my choice. So, Josh's is Psychonauts Two. Rich's is Inscription, and mine is Genesis Noir. So, at this point, I think it's a good point to take another quick break. We are at about two hours and thirty minutes at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, and we still got. Three more categories and the deliber yeah, and the deliberation to do so. I think a few of the deliberations are going to be pretty quick, though. To be fair. oh yeah, oh yeah, those usually go quicker than we expect I'm, them. And I'm pretty like sure we've already two. locked one of them down. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll be right back. Hey there, welcome. If you found this, you must be listening to the Chompcast. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're wondering. 
Hey, Shay, tell them about the other podcast. Yes, I know you're wondering, what else could I listen to? Don't forget the other podcast. What else could I possibly listen to from these guys? Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, head over to SoreChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies, and Evoking the Sublime, where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game, often paired with interviews from various developers. Thank you, and enjoy. Hey, guess what? We're back. We're back from our break. Yay! We're doing Favorite Boss next, and uh, this one was a harder one for me, but... I imagine it was a little easier for you guys. Josh, what did you pick for your favorite boss this year? Um, this was also kind of a hard one. There were there were a couple couple standouts, but um, I kind of I kind of mentioned this earlier on when I was talking about my favorite mechanic, um, and how satisfying it was. Um, but my favorite boss, um, this year is. Karimlia, which I had to go restart the game to find out the boss's name because they don't have it listed except for like a single time it's mentioned. But Karimlia from 2D and Top D, who is uh-huh. like a uh, kind of in that vein of you you know the Zelda bosses that are just a head and two hands, or the Mario yeah. bosses. Like you've seen this a million times. Yes. But, They're a staple. They're, when you see that boss, you know it's about to slap. Shit's getting real. Exactly. Um, but that, that is 2D and Top D's ahead with two hands boss. But in this one, the really cool thing about it is that whenever you are in the top-down mode, he's like this kind of 3D over-the-level looking, you know, smacking his hands down, as, as you'd kind of expect him to, boss. Uh, and you can get him to aim at you and try to smash you and then switch to the other character, at which point, well, his hands have just smashed down to the level, you can now use them as platforms um, to jump around to get where you want to uh, as your side-scrolling character. Um, and being able to manipulate the boss to fight in two different ways comes across so well with this kind of staple of boss design that we've seen so many times. Um, it's, it, it, I feel like it highlights the mechanics so ridiculously well um, this year. And uh, it's really challenging, too, because of um, the way you have to kind of keep track of the same space in more than one context uh, while while doing all that while fighting a boss is really satisfying um all all the bosses in in 2D and Top D I feel are just excellent excellent bosses they take advantage of the mechanics and highlight them in unique ways um 
which is something that sometimes bosses unfortunately don't do. They kind of feel like they're tacked on or <sighs> implemented in a way that's not taking advantage of the core mechanics sometimes. Um, and in this game, I feel like they really heighten them, uh, which is what you want out of a boss. You want a boss to still feel like it, it's part of the same game, not just a completely different experience uh, that happens to show up whenever boss is there. Like, I, I feel like that's unfortunately too common. There's, there, there are a lot of people who just, you know, kind of down on bosses because they are done so poorly so often. Um, but this, this is kind of an example of how to do it the right way. Um, and this is, you know, Karimlia is my favorite of those, uh, in 2D and top D. Cool. Hmm. Okay. That's, a, yeah, obviously I don't have any frame of reference, but sounds like a fun and interesting boss battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rich, what was your choice for favorite boss? This is it. You've been waiting for it, Shay. This is my tie. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm in. Um, so I'm I got excited. two. I got two for this bad boy. Um, the first one awakens the fanboy in me. Um, it returns to this list. Yakuza like a dragon. Um, one of the not quite end game, but in the the latter half of the game boss fights. Um, Ichiban and crew are forced to try and get information out of somebody. When they find the character that has said information, he will only relinquish it to you if you can prove your strength, and you are forced to square off with none other than the Dragon of Dojima himself, the protagonist of the original six Yakuza games, Kazuma Kiryu. And uh, I love this boss fight because, one, it's just a super cool, super hard boss fight for people that have no idea, really, who th what this character's significance is. And then it kind of has fun with existing fans of the series because, as you might be aware, as I'm, I think most people are aware, Yakuza Like a Dragon dramatically shifts combat styles to a turn-based RPG from the normal beat-em-up uh, brawler that the original Yakuza games were. Yeah. Um, and what Kiryu is known for in those original games is having these stance changes in combat. So in order to make him fit this new style of combat, as you whittle his health down, um, he changes stances, which totally change how he fights. Hmm. And it adds a different layer, because if you have played the other games, you kind of have an idea of the sort of attacks he's going to use in that stance, and when he's going to be hitting harder, and how you should be hitting him. Um, it's just, it's a really cool moment in of itself, and it's also just a mechanically really awesome boss fight. Hmm. Cool. Alright, so Kazuma Kiryu from Yakuza Like a Dragon. What's your second choice? My second choice is from Death's Door, the, the fourth boss of the game, the Grey Crow. Um, oh, yeah. That is, I think, the absolute standout boss of that game to me. There's some that are a little more flashy towards the end, but um, when Death's Door opens, it presents to you its Zelda-style quest of, like, hey, I need you to go to these three places, get these three souls, and you were doing so for a character called the Grey Crow, who is a reaper like you who lost... Um, the soul he was sent to retrieve behind this big door, and he needs you to help him open it so he can retrieve the soul. 
Upon entering the door, you learn a lot about where that soul went, and basically the Grey Crow is faced with the realization that he is never going to be able to retrieve the soul he lost. And he goes a little bit ballistic, and you end up having to fight him, and you're fighting him in, like, this white void, and you've already you've acquired so many skills and different combat abilities as the game has gone on, and the Grey Crow kind of has, like, insane variations of all of those. So it's a lot of your own skills being used against you, and he's moving at, like, breakneck speeds and just dashing across this, like, infinite void you are fighting him in. It's... it. W- I think that's probably the boss fight that took me the most tries because it just moves at breakneck speeds, but it never feels... It never feels punishing. Like, whenever I failed it, it felt like I fucked something up somewhere, and it was so satisfying to beat it, and it's just a really, really cool over-the-top boss encounter. Hmm. That's cool. We haven't seen Death's Door appear in these lists yet, so finally... I mean, for this week, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. There's I mean, like, I've heard that bosses. that game has some awesome boss fights. Yeah. Yeah, great for bosses sure. in that game. And that is, yeah, that is... I, was, I, I knew I kind of wanted to include one from there, and that is the one that I remember sitting with me for the longest... And kind of went back to watch some videos again of it while I was making this list. And I was like, hell yeah, that was cool as hell. Well, solid. I mean, I think that's a solid choice for the list then. Cool. Um, Mine's pretty easy. And this is the first appearance of this game. Uh, The Blight Lord slash True Blight Lord from Ender Lilies was my favorite boss fight. I know that they're technically two different boss fights, but I'm just going to classify it as one. Um, They're just different phases in effect. Um, but this boss fight gave me a ton of trouble. It was a very difficult boss fight. And what I love about it is that you, it's, it's all out. Like basically if you haven't played this game, it's a Metroidvania game and you get different abilities by, uh, defeating different enemies in the game, uh, bosses, mini bosses, things of that nature. And some of them you just unlock through the story, but you get a set amount of each one of these that you can use for the most part. So you can get this dragon smoke ability, but you only get 20 uses of it. And you have to be really strategic about which abilities you upgrade throughout the game and which ones you use in this final boss fight. Now there's more than one way to kind of build a, uh, build a, a character's abilities what what's the word I'm trying to use? I forget words way too often. I'm getting too old. Um, Emancipate. No, <laughs> you always say that. Toolkit. No, it's a like not his outfit, not a character's outfit, but their um, build. Costume. You're putting different abilities on a character and upgrading them. Skill tree. Kind of like that. Skill like basically Kit? his skill set, um, or her skill set in this case. You're choosing her skill set of what she's going to use, and you can have different builds. Loadout. That. That's more or less what I was trying to say. And uh, so there's more than one way to approach this boss, but it's still a very difficult boss fight with a lot of really cool attacks and different phases. And it's very visually pleasing to fight this boss, where it's this disgusting, monstrous character, and it just towers over. Um, the the la the main character and you have to basically use every ability that you have in your arsenal 
to just get by on the skin of your teeth if you are an average gamer. If you're obviously an excellent gamer, you can probably get through this no problem, but I'm not one of those. I struggled a lot with this boss. It's a tough fight. It took fight. me a while. It is. Yeah, I'm brutal. what one might call an excellent gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm the excellent gamer. Nice to meet you. But no, I struggled a lot with this boss. Um, it was very, I was very happy when I finished it. Um, very good boss fight, in my opinion. So yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. So uh, Josh's just to recap, Karim, Karim, Karimlia from Two D and Top D, Kazuma Kiryu from Yakuza Like a Dragon, and Gray Crow from Death's Door. That was Rich's tie used up. Still have Josh's. Um, no, we, no, we don't. No, no, mine was the art direction. I used it early. That's right. That's been a while. That's right. And I used it late. (laughs) Yeah, all three of us are used at this point. And then mine was uh, the Blight Lord slash True Blight Lord from Ender Lilies. So there we have it. Two more categories. Uh, We're going to hit favorite character. Uh, This one's always fun just to get to pay some homage to some badass or funny, unique, uh, silly, out of the box characters that we liked this year. Josh, I can already see you smiling. I know you're excited. Who is your character for this year? Um, there, there were some solid, solid characters this year. This was this this end narrative. There's there's so much to love. There's uh, with with a variety of preferences given the storytelling style. You're gonna find something you love this year if if you're willing to, you know, give some of the smaller games a chance, which Unfortunately, not everyone is, but there's there's some great stuff to find this year. Um, my personal favorite this year is Isabel from Eastward. Oh, uh, is... you know, actually, it's fucking funny. That was what I thought you were gonna pick. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that's that's a good call. That's yeah. Um, Isabel is the the princess, the the robotic caretaker of 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 uh, you know this kind of exiled princess yeah. in in Eastbound, uh, Eastward, um, the 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 embodiment of that whole Rocket Knight character yes. idea is kind of Izzy, yeah, and and her. kind of stiff coming to terms with how the world is changing around them and and what what it means to still you know take care of someone you love given everything changing around you um is just some outstanding storytelling that they that they um are able to to give to this character um and she's just a a fucking badass but b has so much personality on top of that instead of just being kind of this is a type of character we've seen a lot before at least just from the bare bones look of it it it's it's not something that you'd expect to get a lot of depth out of and Isabel is a character that 
can kind of embody that archetype, but be completely unique at the same time. Um, and I just absolutely loved her story in Eastward. Yeah. I think what they I, do smartly with her is, and I, uh, sorry there, Shay, I didn't mean to oh, you're uh, good. step you're on fun. you. You're fine. Is, like you said, we've seen characters like this before, and there's always that moment of, oh, this character's going to let down their card. But that happens here, but I think they do it in much more, like, the writing is smarter and more human. And, like, up until close to the ending, the only real moments you see of Isabel letting down her guard are really, like, these sort of solemn moments you get where it's just her alone, um, like, at the bar, just kind of chatting with the people she's closest with about, like, her real feelings on everything that's happening. and. Mm-hmm like kind of like you get you get a sense almost of like a brave face of someone who's kind of going through the motions at this point yeah, yeah that that was a really powerful moment in the game too is when isabel and um alva have that moment in the bar i really like that moment between oh the two. Yeah. yeah yeah it's really good it's it's like yeah yeah it's, it's it's simple and it's powerful because it's so simple um no this the reason why i knew that you were going to pick this one is because it, it kind of falls in line with a lot of other characters you've liked in previous years. <laughs> she like Isabel is kind of the character who is dutiful, who accepts a re- responsibility that uh, not a lot of other people would or want to. And mm-hmm. she does it because she's bound by um, her own love morals. and uh, compassion and a lot of other of those kind of uh, familial emotions. And I do think in some ways, knowing you as long as I've known you, Josh, you kind of see yourself in that way in some some way, shape, or form. Like even with, um, <laughs> this is pulling back the curtain a little bit, even with something like as simple as editing the show, I know that there have been weeks where you're like, dude, I need a fucking break. I don't want to be doing this. Like, <laughs> And you do it for the love of not only for the people who listen to the show, but for, for us as well. Because, you know, like, uh, Rich and I are working so hard and you're like, well, I'm going to do it because I care about them and I know that they're busy and they're, do- they're doing their part too, so I'm going to do it. You know, I think there- there's some level of identification in there um, <laughs> yeah, with my arm- armchair psychology going on right now. But uh, the-, the bigger thing saying is... saying you're I- a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But the- I think the other big thing there is uh, it it tracks with some of the, your previous choices throughout the years. So when I, when I was playing over the past few days, especially, and I saw a lot more of Isabel, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like I could also even see you picking Daniel from that game oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. I love Daniel. There's, so, there's yep. a bunch of good characters in that game, but yeah, yeah, there are. <laughs> yeah. Rich, how about you? Did you pick someone from Eastward, or did I you did. Pick... I did. <laughs> really? I did. Um, I thought the, I legitimately thought you were going to go with someone from Yakuza or someone from Guardians of the Galaxy, but okay. uh, and it's hilarious that you say it because it was almost Daniel. Um, but my pick is Will- awesome is William. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, so William in Eastward is sort of this traveling merchant um, who travels with his robot son Daniel. Um, who I also love so much, but I, I think what what cemented for me in the end is why I picked William over Daniel is because oh, well, or, there's what you're not not in the end is like you're talking about the end because I'm gonna take my headphones off if you're spoiling anything. I don't think I'm talking about anything you haven't already seen. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, 
Don't don't tread ground. Don't tread ground. Just say what you want to say. I'm, if I yeah. stop hearing something, I'll take my headphones off. Sure. So there's sort of this thing with with Daniel, which is what what I always liked about him, uh, like that like boyish like pluckishness or whatever. And I think it pulling back that layer lets you see a little bit more of who William is as a person. And it's almost like this Geppetto Pinocchio analog mm, where yeah. as you learn more about William, you learn like the life he left behind. There's some allusions to it earlier in the story, but you, you kind of piece the pe- everything together as you go um, about the family and the son he, he left behind that in order to go out and see the world and how the Daniel he has created is sort of him pursuing that memory and trying to have as close to a normal life as possible. And there's some real good moments between the two of them where you see just how, like, this little robot kid and how much it means to him and how much everything that happens affects him. And he just, he's introduced as sort of this weird, like, traveling merchant guy, but there's just, you peel back the layers and he is just this old man seeking, seeking the family that he feels like he he's not entitled to anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a he's an interesting character, and actually, he makes a lot of sense for your pick as well, Rich, because he's kind of this uh, this uh, this guy who is very he feels himself as very debonair, and he's also opportunistic in some ways, and not in a he's negative sort of a way. puckish rogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's charming. And I think that's how you kind of view yourself. He's, in some he's ways very much as well. the the setzer of this game. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Also a wonderful choice. Um, my choice was, uh, I was thinking actually about picking Lee from Eastward. I really like Lee a lot. <laughs> Lee yeah. was on my short list as well. It, uh, dude, the layers on, he's such the opposite of the character you expect him to be when he's first presented. I think that's what's great about him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's, he has a lot of character development, which is really why I like that character a lot. But no, um, I thought about it and... My choice was a very easy one for me at the end of the day. I love Raz from Psychonauts too. Sure. Um, mm. he, because it was my first exposure, I'm sure it was a little bit more difficult for you guys to want to pick Raz since you played the first Psychonauts. But for me, didn't play the first Psychonauts, didn't play Rhombus of Ruin. Um, I like a lot of characters from Psychonauts too, but Raz doesn't feel like this kind of um, body you are inhabiting he feels like a very much fleshed out character and he's a very detailed character where he's very malleable first and foremost um he comes to learn about the world and he wants to do what's good for the world and everybody else has kind of their own issues and ambitions and whatever and he's trying to be understanding of them and he tries to help people um hence the malleability and you know, he, he kind of gets, a lot of people are rude to him in this game early on. A lot of people are fucking rude to him. His, uh, his professors are not the kindest to him. His classmates are not the kindest to him. Some of his family is not very kind to him. Yet he still goes out of his way to help everyone. And um, he just tries to benefit the world around him and make it a better place. And he does it with humor and... um lightheartedness and optimism and I, I i just love that about the character that yeah. he is willing to look at all this terrible shit and all these people who are, who are rude to him for no reason and he's like i'm not gonna let that affect me i'm gonna still do what i think is right and what i think is best and i really respect that about him 
Yeah, no, that's... Raz is a great pick. I, I think the fact that I was first introduced to Raz 15 years ago is why it probably didn't even register to me. Yeah, no, exactly. Raz. The same, same thing pick. here. Same thing here. It's just... That thought hadn't occurred to me, but yeah. He's, he's in, still just as amazing of a character as he was, you know, so many years ago. Um, yeah. Just I think that's one of the excellent choice. Beautiful. I think that's one of the beautiful things about the second game coming out is they have a ton of characters that, um, granted, there's a lot of the characters in this game are introduced, but um, mm. I think they have like, as you guys have said, some character archetypes from the first one that they bring back into a different character like Sam Boole, um in this one, for example. But it still it still feels like it's its own character. Or they are their own characters. Yeah, the roots of Sam come from her brother and what we know of him, but she is very much her own person. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not a retread it, at all. Yeah, doesn't feel that way at all. I, I just, I love how detailed each character feels in this game, not only by looks, but also by what their personalities are and yeah. how they intermingle together is a very beautiful thing in this game. They all have so much going on that's completely unrelated to you. Um, that just feels great, uh, to, to kind of, to get to know, um, throughout the game. Um, yeah, some outstanding characters in that game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I wanted, a because I love so many of the characters, I was like, which one do I pick from? And I was looking, I was like, Sam's cool. Um, some of the psychic six are awesome. And I was like, wait, Raz is fucking awesome too. Why, why am I omitting Raz? And the more I thought about it, I was like, yep, yeah, it's Raz. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as quick recap, Isabel from Eastward for Josh, William from Eastward from rich and Squidward. No, I'm just kidding. And Raz from psychonauts two from me. So no Squidward in there, but which is a darn shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he could have. He actually could have made it right because of the Nickelodeon All Stars Brawl game. I, I don't think he's there? playable in that. I don't no, think he's just SpongeBob and Patrick. Probably DLC at some point, but you know. I'd have to imagine. I want. I just want Sandy, so I can say I just clapped those cheeks. Have you guys? <laughs> have you guys seen the, the first DLC character was announced? No, it's oh, Garfield. Yeah, yeah, it's Garfield. Yeah, I can't wait for the Chris Pratt voice pack to drop. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, I, I think I remember you making oh that voice or that that uh, joke now. Well, who is uh, voicing him? Well, initially, there's no voice work in this game at all. Oh, uh, what? Did you not know that? Oh my god, how did that happen? Such a great uh, question. budget. Turns out well, that's expensive. I mean, yes, budget, but like, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about that another day. We still got. Yeah, still no, got no, no. That's that's too much. That's to a big tangent. I see. Yeah, we're here to talk about Garfield cart. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite narrative is the last category we have. I'm gonna keep mine pretty succinct, but this is one of the biggest categories we do every year. Um, keep it succinct because when be we succinct, have to, we'll see how I'll it goes. Pick one. It'll. Uh, if that's when it's gonna be not succinct. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure I know Rich's choice for this category. I have no idea for Josh's, so Josh, kick it off. Um, I I mentioned earlier on that narrative was one that this is tough this year and was nearly my tie just because there's so much great storytelling 
this year that I wanted to spread the love around, but uh, then, th- yeah, then, then the art direction kind of felt like it demanded my tie this year. So we're, mm. we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to live with it. We're going to, we're going to have to tough choices have had to been made, have had to be made mm. for, for the, the narrative this year. There are, so many excellent stories this year in gaming. Um, that yeah, yeah, it, it's a good year for storytelling. Um, but my favorite story this year is one that I, I've mentioned before on the show, and it's, it's come up a few times already. But how personal and emotionally resonant it is um and chicory a colorful tale is able to mm. get across these feelings of obligation and um Burnouts and 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 lack of fulfillment in in creating art that uh, I've I've seen other games take a stab at like it's it's not a unique theme I I feel like you know anyone who's making games has kind of experienced a lot of this and you've seen some of these ideas come up before but not handled remotely as deftly as chicory does um and the way they were able to tell the story in that game and make you just connect with these coloring book characters that they have on the screen um is so special. Um, and I, I think a part of that is kind of like, again, this, this nearly came up the mechanics as well with the idea of what well, it, it is a coloring, but you're, you're not just playing a game about being an artist. You're coloring. You're, you're, you are creating art throughout the experience. Um, the, the way it, personally and and directly involves you with the story they're telling um manages to make so many of the ideas uh they're addressing just resonate so well uh because you do by the by the end of this game end up feeling a, a lot of a lot of Characters in games like this are just completely empty vessels. Uh, whereas in this game, there, there's, there's a story going along with the main character of the game. But still, within that, they are very much you. They're, they're, they're flexible enough to kind of fit to how you play the game, how you... Mechanically, you're 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 coloring back in the world, uh, and 
how you how seriously or uh flippantly you do that will kind of give you a different experience of of this character but it still works um it's 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 one of those things where the the game gives you enough space to kind of go through phases of like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna absolutely take my time color and absolutely everything and, and make everything perfect uh well i just want to get through this section maybe i'm gonna kind of I'll, I'll half-ass this one and mm. and getting you to make those actual decisions um and and then feel responsible for them is really cool uh and it works to get across the narrative they're the story they're telling just works excellently because you are absolutely inhabiting this character uh, while they're trying to get those ideas across. Um, the character of Pancake the dog. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> I mean, this choice makes a lot of sense. I know you had a lot of fun with Chicory, and I know it was one that really impressed you. Hasn't popped up a lot in the other categories. It popped up some in the music, of course, and I think this is this makes a lot of sense for you picking that one. I was not expecting that, but hmm. now that you said it, I understand it completely. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love Rich, that. Rich, what was your choice for this? I, I, I have a feeling, but I, I, I wrestled with this one. This is another one that was almost my tie. Uh, Josh said it felt the same way. But uh, as I looked at my notes about uh, games I'd play this year and like stories that resonated with me, what I ended up going with uh, would have been a surprise to me when I was, even when I was looking forward to this game. I went with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, that was exactly what I knew you were going to pick. Yeah, no, and, and here's the thing: like, it's not just that good, like atypical. We wrote a good Marvel comic story because I don't feel like that's really that hard to do at that point, especially when you're working with characters that good. But some of the stuff they mine from and, like, the bigger themes they tackle on, I was not expecting out of this game. Uh, like, dealing with, like, trauma and fatherhood and death and just sort of, like, letting, like, death and fatherhood are two of those big ones they really trope on. Like, yeah, s- stepping up in that respect and then dealing with loss and, and letting go in some fucking standout performances across that game particularly the dynamic that builds as it goes between Quill and and Nikki um as that relationship develops and it just it surprised me at pretty much every turn the dealing with Drax's trauma becomes a big part of the story there's the characters just mesh together so well and even when it's not just you know it's not just throwing one liners at you it has a a well developed story to tell you know I knew you were going to pick this because you had played the, you're the only one of the three of us who played the Mass Effect trilogy uh, remaster earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really sad I didn't sit down to play that with you. I wish I would have, but I, I didn't have time for that, unfortunately. And you, of course, you like those games a lot and yeah. you, you have your criticisms about it. And you can go hear about that in his, re- or read about it in his reviews and uh, listen to him talk about it in some of those episodes. But, for me, when you and Josh were talking about it, you had mentioned that this was like 
a better version of Mass Effect in some ways. And you had mentioned the story being one of those ways. And once you said that, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to pop up <laughs> as one of his choices for best narrative this year. If not, it's going to be his <laughs> choice. Because those are some bold words. Because I know uh, Mass Effect has such a fervent fan base. For you to be willing to take a leap and say, I think that this story in this game, a Marvel game, is better than that series that is loved by so many people, I was and all I, positive. I fucking adore Mass Effect, but I, I feel like the threads that already exist between some of these characters have them willing to want to try different things and try and tell stories you wouldn't normally see. Mm. Like, the the entire dynamic, which, you know, we, we get slightly spoilery here, so I don't really mind saying it, like, once you're a few hours in and Quill is really grippling with the idea that this girl he met might be his kid and what that means for him. Like it, it, it goes places. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, this is one of the few times you've ever made a mistake of pronouncing something grippling. It's one of, I, that's, that's, that's one of the cheapest of I German wines. I did not say that at all. <laughs> you totally did. Did I? Yeah, you said grippling. Which is why I started typing grappling. out that joke in chat in case it wasn't addressed. Yeah. I didn't even notice that I said that. I think you meant grappling. At no, I, I did. That is 100% what I thought I said. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Grippling, if, you know, if uh, this wasn't the Game of the Year shows, that would probably be the title of this show, is grippling. Yep. It sounds weirdly erotic. I have to go. He was grippling her. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't even notice that I said that. Like, it's so all good. My, my brain auto corrected itself. It's uh, yeah. It's all good. Guardians of the Galaxy. You have surprising no one for Rich's favorite narrative. Um, I know this is this is. <laughs> What's wrong, Josh? <laughs> this is uh gonna be probably a little bit. Uh, people are gonna feel like recency bias. I didn't really have a hard time picking my favorite narrative of this year. I played a lot of games this year. I really like Psychonaut 2's narrative a lot, but it was convoluted in places, as I mentioned before. And I, I could say the same safely of Genesis Noir, where there were times where I had to take a break from that game, and when I came back, I had to go read recaps to make sure You're I You're telling understood. me the space is a lady? <laughs> but um, one, one story I've just been entranced by from beginning up to now and this is again there is going to be some recency bias here and i'm okay with it at the end of the day eastward is going to be my choice oh, for yeah. favorite narrative this year a lot of the other narratives for the other games i played this year have either been thin in terms of narrative or there have been some flaws in terms of the narrative and to me eastward feels like the most comprehensive uh consistent story of the games that i've played this year um it's not necessarily the most memorable. I think Genesis Noir, if we were doing most memorable narrative, it'd be Genesis Noir, for sure. Cubert. But uh, my favorite has just been Eastward. I've been devouring this game, and it's, it's long for an indie game. It's a very long indie game, and I... I'm not showing any signs of boredom with the story at all. Um, yeah. Even even when it gets a little bit fetch questy in certain segments of the game, I'm still enjoying it. I'm yeah, still I put loving. Close to thirty hours into Eastward. 
Yeah, and that I'm about at that point now, and I'm about done with the game. And I, yeah, I'm loving the narrative. I've been loving what they've been doing. It's paced very well. And because they have such great character development um, and world development in the game that it all just comes together so cohesively. Um, the, the, the story in this game, for those of you who haven't listened to any of our podcasts before, don't really know what this game is. Um, and you guys talked about it a little bit before with like the Gurren Logan reference. But basically a man and uh, his quote-unquote adoptive daughter uh, this girl that he finds live in this underground community and they're exiled out of this community and they end up going to the surface. And it's rumored that the surface is just devoid of life and dead and marred by w- some kind of catastrophic um, situation. They get up there and they find that's not entirely true. And um, the story kind of takes off from there. And that's that's all I'll really say. That happens within the first chapter and a half. Moving from place to place on an eastbound train, which is thus the name. Yes. Eastward. Yes. Mm-hmm. But um, I've really enjoyed the narrative a lot. So uh, I, I don't want to say too much more about it because I don't want to give a lot away. Um, but And I'm sure uh, we'll get into a little bit more when we circle back around because I'm going to tell you flat out that was my runner up right behind Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So and that's there's like, conversation to be had. <laughs> I knew yeah. it was going to be one of those two for you, for sure. So I, um, I, I, had, I had you pegged on that one as being one or the other, and I just yeah, want to peg me. you. But anyways. Um, <laughs> I love when they had the same joke at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, do you guys need to take a break before we jump into the group choices? I'm good to just circle back around if you guys want. Yeah. Okay. Let's just jump into it. Because, yeah, this show's been long as it is. and uh, We're at three and a half hours. Yeah. Well, some of that's breaks. I think probably yeah, about 20 fair. minutes of that is breaks. So, But it's going to, by the end of it, it'll probably be about three and a half. But anyways, um, so from this point on, we will be discussing what we think should be etched in the famed halls of Sword Chomp as the top picks of the year. We will be omitting favorite moment from the list, as I think that is kind of a uh, uh, category that is too personal to choose between us and uh, Josh. You know he's talked he talked about it in the past. It's it's kind of a moot point to try and pick a favorite moment. This thing uh, that was important to me should be important to you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and there's always just like a ton of settling. And in the past, it's gotten to the point where we're like we're we're scrambling to tr- just try and find any ounce of. Hey, did we all play this? Did we all like this moment? Yeah. Okay, let's just go with yeah. that one. I mean, it just to, it feels moot. To be fair, sometimes there are years where there's standout, like the year where it was like, come on, guys. It's that part in Wolfenstein where they put BJ Blasco's head on another body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, or when you see Hitler pissing on the carpet because he's. Yeah. Old. No. It's that year, you know, it's from that game. It's just one of three things. <laughs> right. But, um,. This one, yeah. So that scene took place sense, on think, on fucking Jupiter, and that's not even the most interesting part about it. Yeah, it's impressive, really. All right, so let's go. Let's go through the list, uh, same as we did them. First, as favorite remaster, I think I'm gonna have a very uphill battle with Saga Frontier. I feel super passionately about that getting the favorite remaster, but I know Josh yeah. actively dislikes that game. It's, it's uh, not. That's never... not even my favorite Saga remaster of this year. <laughs> and uh rich you never played it 
And the most he had to say about it was, Ray said it's a shitty game. And, and I uh, trust him. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I'm going to lose that one, unfortunately. Um, and you, both of you agreed on Super Mario 3D World. So... Yeah. I, and I do like feel weirdly passionately about that because it's just, it's such a good game to begin with. And the Bowser's Fury thing just, just bumps it up so much for me because it's, uh, God, I hope Mario games do that more going forward. Yeah. I hope games in general do that more going forward. Pains me, pains me, it pains me to have to give up on Soccer Frontier because I know that game never gets a credit it's due. Um, and it likely never will. Yeah. That yeah, wasn't to be mean. That's just an unfortunate no, 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 fact no. Because like, I know you do like it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I had to think about it for a second. I was like, is he trying to be a dick? Like, no, fuck you. no, he's no, being no, honest. No, I guess he's I guess, being honest. No, he's, he's right there. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you're right, Rich. So um, just let it be known here and now, while I'm willing to concede this point, and it has nothing to do with these two, that this game, Saga Frontier, if you did not play it this year, I know we have some fans. That they and I talked about it when it came out. We were so excited, and we had so much fun playing it. It really is. Um, you may love I this game. And we can never take that away from you. Yes. Well, that and I think that it has some historical significance in the time that it was made in accordance with all the other RPGs that were coming out during that time. So all the better ones. Yeah, that's all. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it there. Favorite weapon. Now, we each had a different uh, pick there. Josh had the Big Bang, which Rich, you didn't really get to play, unfortunately. Heritage yeah. Gun from Deathloop, which both of you played. I didn't play. And then I had a tie between the Magnum from Resident Evil 8 and the Frying Pan from Eastward. Now, you guys both played and finished Resident Evil 8, right? Yeah. 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 Multiple times. Josh, you only played and beat it the one time, so you probably Just didn't play Just the with... one time, yeah. I never got the stake. Man, I would have loved to have seen you play with the stake because I think that... Uh, you would have had even more fun just fucking dis- like there jo- josh i know you love your moments when you get to be overpowered in a game and uh that was one of the moments when you get the stake and then you get the infinite ammo on it on top of that mm-hmm. it, it's it's really rewarding um the the i think the big bang or the heritage gun are two that are more difficult to be honest with you to sell i don't disagree um, I think that Magnum or the frying pan is something that we could possibly pick from. Obviously, frying pan is probably I, the the safest choice because all three. It of seems us like the most it. yeah us. I choice. Th- that that was like on my short list, and yeah. it's one that like as you were saying, I'm like yeah, that's a really good pick. Like, I think the steak is good too, and I I used it. It's just like I guess for me, it felt and even my own choice like feels a little bit of that. I always feel a little, like, wacky to be like, ah, when there's, like, weird inventive shit going on, it feels weird to go with, like, just another gun. Well, the thing, the thing I will say is that, and again, this doesn't have to be the only determining factor, not necessarily should be a main one. I think Resident Evil 8 was a really great game this year, and it was a lot of runner-ups, like, different things for different categories that we did. You know, like, uh, favorite character, yeah. I didn't even talk about, um, the... What I always forget the merchant's name. Rich? The Duke. The Duke, the Duke. yeah. Uh, the Duke was a runner-up on my choice for this year. Um, he was on that list for me as well. Yeah. You know, uh, 
this game I don't think has gotten the proper <coughs> dues that it has. That doesn't sure. necessarily say that we should pick the stake from Resident Evil 8, but um it feels a little bit more to me like that I'd we just be throwing it a bone because frankly I think I think the frying pan is more of a standout. Why? It's got that iconic feel to it that just another Magnum doesn't quite have. Yeah, like again, one's, like this that's like picking the rocket launcher from Resident Evil 4. Like sure. Or from yeah, Halo? The, well, or no, cuz like it's Oh, you know, the Chicago... you mean the Spanker? Oh my god, the Spanker. <laughs> god damn. Stop trying, trying to make Spanker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only one who keeps bringing it up is you, man. Because oh. I, I hear it all the time in the audio is like Spanker's spawning and I'm like, "Stop trying to make Spanker a thing." <laughs> no one's <laughs> calling it that. God damn it. Um Yeah, no. I I I have a hard time feeling like a post-game weapon really. Eh. Especially given that another post-game weapon is a lightsaber. Yeah, actually, I was going to bring that up, too. If I was picking a Resident Evil weapon, it would have been the fucking lightsaber. <laughs> I never actually got to use it, so... Mm. Uh, that's fair, then. But, like, to me, like we talked about earlier, the frying pan feels like a part of John. It feels like an extension of the character. When I picture John, yes. I picture him with the frying pan. And I think that's what puts it over for me. Mm. Similar. Similar reasons for me. That was also on the short list, I, uh, as well as uh, the umbrella from Death Store, which was the hard yeah. mode. Like it's just it just shows up. You find an umbrella that does less it's damage just, than everything else, but you can then use it, and it's just the hard mode for the game. Is yeah, just it behaves with the exactly the same as the sword. It just does less damage. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. No, like I, I feel more strongly about the uh, the frying pan. the frying pan. I think. I'm I'm not sad about the frying pan winning. I'm just kind of sad that we haven't given Resident Evil 8 more love. Well, if 12 minutes wasn't terrible, then maybe it could have still... I mean, I'm sorry. If 12 minutes had been better, then maybe uh, we wouldn't want to punch everyone and maybe Chris Redfield could have taken home an award. <laughs> well, you know, things happen. And you, I, oh, that is, oh, God, Rich, you reminded me of something. I had this silent, like, fist-pumping moment in my house when I got home last night to see Maggie Robertson win uh, Best oh, Voice yeah, great Acting for Performance. Her. Great for her. Super happy about that. Yeah. Very jazzed. So, there was a little bit of, I was like, yes, vindication, as I was, like, twerking in <laughs> no, my kitchen. No, no, it's well as we deserved. Point, neither of us thought you had picked a bad choice. Yeah. Like, we just felt more strongly about our other thing, but, like, it was very solid voice acting this well year. Earned. Yep. Well earned. Yep. Well-earned. And I, I, like, this is, this is gonna be my one pervy moment. You guys are gonna have to deal with it. The oh dress God. she was wearing? Mm. Oh, yeah, no. Ugh. Phenomenal. She looks stunning in that dress. She wore the and, hell uh, out of that dress. And it accentuated her in all the right ways. And I will stop there. Maggie, you did a wonderful job. I'm sorry I couldn't convince these two that you won, but you know what? I'm glad you won and you looked stunning last night. And, you have, an, and you have an actual award in your house. Yeah. So, Not, fuck us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Please. But no, uh, favorite art direction. Uh, so, Josh, you had money. You, found, you found the line, Shay. It was, it was... <laughs> hey, we, we got to find it somehow. Yeah, Moon Down and Guardians of the Galaxy. Rich, I'm sorry. I'm never agreeing to fight night. You can. I never expected anyone to. Okay, well, just let you know. Fuck that. Um, and then I had Genesis Noir. 
Now, I could see... I would laugh if you guys were like, let's just go with Kenna. But, um... Oh, no, God, that would be a good pick. No. <laughs> it actually would be a good pick. No, I'm not denying it. It would be a good pick. Uh, I, like... I could see up. Genesis Noir or Guardians of the Galaxy winning. Josh, I know Moondown was really important to you. And yeah, I was the one who played it, so I don't see it being yeah. our group pick. But yeah, I just, I, yeah, I thought it was worth <laughs> I drawing attention to. Feel free to try and persuade me. I don't think I've seen a single frame of Genesis Noir. <laughs> mm. Well, um, the, the game starts out with you in kind of like a diner. And you're oh wearing God, a trench he's coat. Describe it to me. What? It is oh, no, go. really bold. Uh... Okay, here. Hold on. Just I'm just a looking second. up. Oh, it, yeah, he's, he's showing. Yeah, um, yeah, like it, it is very much noir oh, based. Yeah, that's got a look. With that's very cool. black blacks and shadows that just kind of. But I thought only that one artist could use black as black. <laughs> That's a callback to a thing that no one will get. Exactly. Yeah, I don't even get that. Um, that one was on my short. Let me go. Let's go through through short lists. I guess. God, I'm for... just looking at images of it, and I think you guys might be right. It's really Dude, good. That, I'm telling you, man, that game like. I could be convinced. Oh. I looking at a lot of images here that are making me go, God, I'm, I think I'm going to try and play this before we sit down next week. And yeah, I think you guys might be right. This is a hell of a look. Oh, I'm looking at some gifts of it moving now. Yep. Yeah, I think I think this is it. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> I like, need to play it. And I on, think this is on it. The short That's list why there. I was so shocked you didn't play it this year, dude. Yeah. Like you'd be like, don't get me wrong. Guardians of the Galaxy is an amazing looking game, and oh, I yeah. definitely think that had Genesis Noir not come out this year. I'd be completely okay with it winning this year. Even though I yeah, didn't play it, no. watching videos and seeing screenshots of it, it's an amazing fucking yeah, looking no. game. Guys, I didn't even play this game, and I'm sold now. I think this is the one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm on take my the short list for making this more difficult, because no, this no, is no, going no, no, way no. too smoothly. No! <laughs> Was Genesis Noir, so, so there's that. But also, Sable was one that somehow didn't come up yeah, during all of this. Yeah, that was also on my short list. Which is gorgeous. And, yeah. and does the the day-night cycle thing better than I think I've seen done before? Because that's something really easy to get muddy whenever things start getting Sa- dark. Sable is my favorite Breath of the Wild sequel. Yeah. The, the, the only thing, and it's, it's, it's kind of a, like I'm being a shithead here, the only thing I will say is that, uh, I mean, Journey came out in 2012 and did it better disagree journey's doing something totally different yeah it looks similar i mean in terms of the 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 setting the setting looks similar not really they both take place in the sand and that's good enough for me to say they're similar (laughs) ha it's very similar to star wars then i guess yep and prince of persia racist wow I, i whoa Man, um, yeah, racist against princes. I guess a big part of Sable's look is how it looks in action. <sighs> what did uh, what did Minnesotans go- ever do to you? <laughs> it it looks great in um in the videos that I've watched of it. In, in all seriousness, but like, yeah, no, I mean, if you both like, yeah, Sable's really cool. I'd, I'd honestly be comfortable with that. But I know Shay feels particularly strongly about it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, list, it, Josh, exactly. I, I 
I think Genesis Noir takes it because now I like I was gonna try and play it before next week. Now I think I'm definitely gonna make time to. On Dude, Tuesday. I'm, I I'm gonna try and play the whole thing on Tuesday. I can't wait for you to be like, "What the fuck is this game?" <laughs> the moment you play that, right? I, I wake can't up wait early on Tuesday and get really baked. There you um, go. I would not play that game baked. You don't need weed to play to. that game. Yeah, I need weed to go to the deli. That seems like putting a hat on a hat. Yeah, and I'm cool with it. <laughs> a condom on a condom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A Jimmy hat? No, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I explained my own joke. Yeah, yeah no, um, yeah, we got yeah, no, we, we, Yeah. Mm. All right, Genesis Noir <laughs> takes it. I am very happy and pleased about that one. Um, most punchable face in gaming 2021? Whole cast from 12 minutes? Yes? Okay, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, that's a lot. Great, moving on. <laughs> yeah, get us out of here a little bit quicker. Favorite <laughs> ecosystem? This one's going to be interesting. So um, just as a recap, Josh, had Jet the Far Shore. Richie had Monster Hunter Rise. I had Biomutant. I do want to put out there that Jet the Far Shore was my my runner-up behind Monster Hunter Rise. I know you didn't play it, Jay. Mm. Um, The thing that, like, bums me out because, like, not like we were harping on you and Stanley to play this. I just feel like if you had played this, you would probably feel similarly. Oh, probably. Um, because so much of this game is built around understanding its ecosystem. It is about a- invading a an alien ecosystem and learning how it works and attempting to survive in it at, mm. in order to figure out how larger swaths of humanity could survive in it. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I, I imagine I would have liked the game. I liked what you had to say about it, and I liked what I saw about it, um, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just had to prioritize and also this is not one that you would find the time to uh to beat i think anytime soon it is a lot of it is about waiting it's a it is a several day sort of experience um it's a slow burn yeah like yeah yeah okay well i mean jet the far shore might be a little bit harder to sell to me i think than something like monster hunter rise just because i have some form a basis knowing sure um and i i do feel really good about monster hunter rise because i i think we all can say without having to like really pressure it that like yeah monster hunter ecosystems are good and i think rise is the best of those yet okay yeah and i mean there's no way i can persuade you guys for biomutant i'm not even sure what that is um i don't not as much i don't think i don't Rem- like yeah this is not me trying to shit on it at all i no i don't re- i don't remember enough of it i i think i was too distracted by like being bogged down by some of its systems that maybe like the fucking there was narrator. some imp- yeah god i wanted to i almost myself. like said i was gonna pick him as my fair character just to make you guys groan my favorite character is the narrator from biomutant <laughs> the one i shut off when i could mm-hmm. yeah um like it I don't so much remember being like, oh, this ecosystem is really interesting as being like the flora in general is pretty, but that's not so much. Yeah. Like, like expansive world, ecosystem to me. Like, yeah. Like you're kind of like you're saying like the, the flora of it, the, the locations themselves stood out to me more so than any, you know, anything else kind of on top of that layer. Yeah, I will say this. It's unfortunate that you guys didn't get into the game as much as I did because some of the the detail and the different types of creatures you end up fighting later on the game is really mm-hmm. fascinating. Like, um, I remember fighting this boss. He was also on my short list. Uh, short list is uh, 
one of the bosses and he just has this really long hair. And you guys remember when we saw, not together obviously, Monsters University and just the level of detail and even on Blu-ray, seeing Sully with all of his hair. I love hair. Um, Just like, <laughs> there, there would be a boss that like was very much like, had developed this like overgrown hair kind of look. And then there's another yeah. boss and it was like this underwater mutated massive turtle with polyps on it that you have to blow up. And th- there's a lot more detail in that game for the ecosystem than I think you guys got to see. But the fact that you guys didn't get to see it, I think is kind of, yeah, I can understand it not being the winner here. Sure. Is there anything else that uh, would go under ecosystem that, Josh and I have played because neither him and I played Monster Hunter Rise, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be the choice because of that reason, but just to make sure we leave no stone um, unturned. My short list here was nuts, which I mentioned. My earlier. short list was very short, weirdly enough. When you were saying that, like I, I had a hard time thinking of ones that stood out to me for this, so yeah. I'm willing to hear what you got. Yeah, so I, I had nuts, uh, <laughs> as well as webbed, which was that spider game that I talked about. I wanted to play recently, that. Yeah, um, mm. which is. It's really like it's it's kind of fantastical. Like you, you interact with a bunch of different bugs, and they're all kind of doing things that are realistic-ish. But also the bu- also the answer building a mech. Um, That's realistic, right? It, I, I can't imagine them doing anything other than that if they had the ability to talk. They they definitely be building mechs if if ants could talk. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, I um. Yeah, I like nuts. I I like nuts because it really much is yeah. about the ecosystem. But because Rich doesn't have a frame of reference to it, granted, it's, I mean we yeah. just won him over with Genesis Noir. <laughs> but um, this is a little different. This one is a little bit different, I think. So hmm. I don't know. I think Monster Hunter Rise. I'm comfortable with that one winning. I I I feel real good about that. If if we if we do feel, eh, I mean, it's eh. Did either of us play Monster Hunter? I played Monster Hunter World, not Monster Hunter Rise. And Rich is yeah. saying it's an evolved version of that. Yeah, but I mean, I also played Monster Hunter 12 years ago. It had a that good... was good then, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh, if, if, if we want to fight for nuts, I, I, I mean, if well, that's... No, if that's... I'm, I'm more likely to fight for Jet, just because I, I, I think, again, that's another one kind of like nuts where the... the the ecosystem is just kind of central yeah, to the narrative, I, which again, this is similar with monster hunter. Like they're, they're doing fun things with, with that ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I kind of get what you're saying there, Josh, because I'm, I'm definitely comfortable with jet because it's that game is so much about the ecosystem. It's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, like I'd be comfortable with either, but I just like, I personally feel like jet is just kind of doing, I, I really, really liked the, the ecosystem in that, but again, they're both really solid. Hmm. Let me look at the list here. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm determining if I want to fight hard enough for this because <laughs> how many I've won so far. Oh, oh. I lost favorite remaster. Yeah, your luck's run out. I kind of won. I kind of won favorite weapon in a way. Definitely won the favorite art direction. I, I won most punchable face. I'm okay with Jet the Far Shore winning. Jet the Far Shore it is? Okay. I trust your guys' opinion on that. I am disappointed <laughs> I didn't get to give an award to Monster Hunter. 
Um, yeah, it's a little sad. Well, Rich, think about how I feel. I am actually, between the three of us, the most qualified to be called a biologist here, and my choice didn't win. So Really? You're the most qualified. I'm the one who's managed to make two whole humans. That's true. Yeah, you didn't have to do shit. <laughs> let's be let's be clear about that. You didn't you have to do showed up. dick. <laughs> the only thing you had to do was use your dick. Yeah. So And barely. Um, Again, you pretty much just show up. Yeah. Come to the party and come. So we're doing this at eight. Inside right? of the party. <laughs> but uh Jet the Far Shore. We'll leave it at that. Favorite gaming mechanic? This one's going to be interesting. I think this one's going to require a little bit of discussion, but uh, just as a recap, Josh, you had the 2D side-scrolling and top-down views in 2D and top D. Rich, you had two abilities that complement each other in It Takes Two, and I had the levitation in Psychonauts. Mm. Um, I honestly... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this, and Josh, I know this shit's on your choice. I'm sorry. I think the two abilities that complement each other in, in, in It Takes Two, even though I didn't play it, um, I've watched a lot of videos of couples playing this game, and I think this is kind of one of those things where I want to promote with us going forward is the fact that like this is the game that united a lot of couples this year. Including yeah. Josh and I. Right? Our marriage yeah. has never been better. It's true. Exactly. Um, but I, I think gl- this is like this is the kind of like future of gaming I want to see is more games being made like this that allow for um, people to work together. Interesting and, cooperative experiences are yes. like something Yosefaris as a developer has really been pushing forward with like most of the games he's put out. Yeah. And I think he's just getting better and better at it. And like the, I, this is actually one of my picks I feel really strongly about is is it takes two on this. Um, Again, not even two. I think I think Josh had a good pick. Jay, I think your pick was good, but the only reason I would even vie against it is just because like it's a returning mechanic from the original Psychonauts, and I know it is your first frame of reference. It's, it's a it. really different it's, take oh, it's on it. It's it's vastly kinda, improved. It's it's the same mechanic, but it is kind of the the case study of of how the game was changed from one to yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That's fair. I mean, like I. My choice is very personal to me, and I didn't feel very strongly about this category anyways. That's why I'm Mm -hmm. saying the two abilities that complement each other, um, when two people take control of each character in It Takes Two, feels like the best. And that game just feels like mechanical perfection to me. I would even say, like, to make it simpler, is the cooperative work in It Takes Two. I think that's the the most simple way we can classify that. Mm Mm-hmm. Josh, how do you feel about that? That was on the short want... list. Uh, just just for the sake of coming to consensus, that was on the short list. The the painting in Chicory was also on the short list because that's that's another one where that, the that mechanics. Was on my short list as well, but it takes two is the one I felt the strongest about. This isn't to make an argument for it at all, Josh. Yeah, no, no, no. Know. I want to know if you considered this as well because it was the third thing on my short list was the entire legacy system in Wildermyth. Ooh. Yeah, I'd... Hmm. Hmm. Now that you mention it. Hmm. No, I did really like that. That's... That's... It felt more like we figured out how to just insert D&D into a video game, so I thought it, I thought it was worth bringing up because... Yeah, it, it seems neat. like one of those things people have taken a stab at so many times and, and flubbed. It feels like... This feels like the best version of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, where it like it's as far as like being completely unique and whatnot. I, I feel like we've attempted this. It just no one's gotten this it is right. Just the the most well implemented. Yeah, and it's done really well it. in this. Um, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have a harder time arguing for that one personally. As, as would I. I. I I do think like for reasons we've retread a million times at this point in this so going on four hour podcast. Um, I feel like the it takes two stuff is is really just. A yeah. cut above a how, lot how of do we want to seen this year how do we want to word this the co-op i just i just wrote it as cooperative work in cooperative it takes work two. okay yeah uh, cooperative platforming and it takes two well i don't think yeah. it's just a platforming it's like how you fight enemies and solve or, puzzles yeah, as well cooperative abilities that's why i just put cooperative work mm. or cooperative teamwork how about that I would I like I want it to be punctuated more that it's about I think cooperative abilities maybe to focus on like those abilities that the, are introduced like the main stuff because there's all there's yeah hmm. yeah okay yeah. yeah cooperative abilities it is then cool well rich Hooray. revel in your victory <laughs> victory screech <laughs> needed that mental break there yeah <laughs> Josh enjoy that uh. That, uh, that edit, collective that wave, voice. That wave is something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I backed away from mine at least, Rich. I'm I got closer. Your whole lips on. <laughs> yeah, I got. I leaned in. Two mm-hmm. lips on this. Dick. Anyways, uh, he inserted the mic one, into I his think, larynx and screamed. If any is going to end up in a fight or any kind of disagreement, I think it's going to be this one right now. Um, this is one so? of the two F- most influential game of 2021. Um, Rich, I'm sorry, I don't see a card game. Granted, as cool as Inscription sounds, I don't see that being as the most influential game. Well, it's fine. It's of good this year. Of the year anyway. So. <laughs> no comment. And I said it's fine. It's going to be game of the year anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, sorry, I didn't hear that. Didn't come through. Um, I'm not necessarily saying it has to be Psychonauts or Genesis Noir per se. Um, those two seem like solid choices. And I'm trying to think of any others that would be like major for this category. I could even see you guys making a case for something like Guardians of the Galaxy. To be honest with you, I here's what I want to say. You were guys were able to dissuade me on the Genesis Noir thing uh, for the art. Having not played it, there's probably no way I can really be persuaded for that here. Um, the stuff Josh was saying around Psychonauts, I, I, can, I can get with that. That idea of like taking a risk on older properties as we're seeing that happen more and more and hoping that continues to be a trend or becomes a bigger trend. Yeah. Um, that, is, that is something I do also hope is... Uh, Especially with the mainstream success. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with Psychonauts 2 winning. I just want it to be known, Rich, that once you play Genesis Noir, you're going to look back on this conversation in a few days and you're going to be like, what the fuck was I thinking? I just, out of personal spite, now I come back and be like, that game was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That was the biggest dumpster fire I played this year and I played 12 minutes, goddammit. That does put a lot into perspective, considering that that game came out this year. I'd feel a lot better about 12 minutes if it only took 12 minutes to play. Um, 
With 12 minutes, I feel like next year maybe we should implement a worst game of the year award. Uh, we we originally avoided those kind of things because we didn't want to be negative. We wanted to use this as kind of like, um, <laughs> well that as a, a three weeks to kind of just celebrate games. With the one exception being the most punchable face, because we yeah. got to get a little bit of negativity out of what there. About the I biggest think... letdown award. <laughs> you know, I thought and about doing every... things like that, like the like the every worst news in gaming this year, or the or the studio that needs to get their shit in gear, like categories like that. And that's maybe that's something unfair. that we will look we at. We all doing use it. our tie on worst studio. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would. It'd be an. There's easy too many for a year. tie this it's, year. It's Activision and EA. <sighs> yeah. We all collectively um, use our ties so we can give a full six worst studios. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just we 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 work together. We're, we, we, yeah, exactly. We're gonna have to come together and make sure we get all of them right yeah. now. <laughs> nah, me? maybe maybe on a over me. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, gotta stop before we get a uh, copyright stricken. I'm not. I'm but, not worried about it. I, oh. Why? <laughs> no reason. No reason, Josh. Um, but I, I'm fine with Psychonauts too being the winner. That that is on. Josh convinced me when we were talking about it. So. Yeah, no, he kind of convinced me too. So I, I'm 100 here for that. I'll take it. Like cool. when he explained it, I was like, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> cool. All right. Favorite boss. This one's going to be a little bit more difficult. We have Karimlia from 2D and Top D, which unfortunately, I, I mean, I know nothing about it other than what yeah. Josh just told me. And uh, for me, when you guys were talking about it, it was like. It's been like this character or this boss is like other boss fights. I was like, okay, well, I don't know if I necessarily want to highlight that per se. Not, it's, uh, it still sounds like an awesome boss. Um, Kazuma Kiryu from Yakuza Like a Dragon and Grey Crow from Death's Door. Um, I was actually kind of moved by the Kazuma Kiryu from Yakuza Like a Dragon simply because of the fact that um, you play with him as him in the first six games and now you're facing off against him. Which I think is kind of a big love letter to it's a really cool moment. Um, the Blight Lawyer, True Blight Lord, is more personal to me, so I'm fine with letting that one go. Mm-hmm. I would also be okay if you guys were like, let's pick a boss from Resident Evil Eight that resonated with all of us because I think there were some cool boss fights in that game. Um, the Moreau fight and uh, actually the Moreau fight is probably. If it was gonna be one for me in that, it would be the Moreau fight because it's just so goddamn dumb. It's dumb and it's it's good. It's a good boss fight. It's an infuriating boss fight, but it's a good. It boss reminds fight. me the most of fighting Salazar in Resident Evil Four. Yeah, that's also true. That's also true. Which, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't personally like. I get a group thing, but I don't know. The bosses were just there, at least personally. Hmm. Um. Oh, for Resident Evil? Yeah, for Resident Evil. Okay. I don't know. Like, I feel more strongly as a group one about... You never got to Kenna, but I, I really like the bosses in Kenna, other than the last one, which... They... Oh, I did not like the last boss in that game at all, yeah. Like, I liked all the phases until the one phase where they start having the sky rain down death on you, and the, the camera is not conducive yeah, to not that great. not just fucking killing you. Yeah. Um, but I like mm, 
I could be persuaded from a lot of the bosses in there. I could be persuaded by the last boss in Metroid Dread. That's a really good boss Ooh, fight. I can't believe Metroid Dread didn't come up in any of these. That was on my that. short list, and I absolutely love the final boss in that game. It's really, it feels really gratifying once you've learned it, yeah. I was going to say Progenitor from Cyber Shadow, but you've actually, yeah, the uh, boss what, fight. Ravenbeak. Uh, Ravenbeak. Ravenbeak, yeah. I was yeah. struggling to, I knew Beak was in there. I was, yep, it's Ravenbeak. Sorry, it's, guys. I think it's Ravenbeak, yeah. yeah. You guys good with Ravenbeak? Yeah, I, I, I was I, thinking of I something love, that was like universal to all of us. And I'm like, I, I can see it being Ravenbeak. I, so. um, this definitely happened with something last year, too, but I love when, like, after we talk about it for 10 minutes, it's something none of us picked. <laughs> I find it hilarious. <laughs> it's always Well, we fun. did a much more abridged version of that this time. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's, I'm really, I'm good with that. Yeah, same, same. All good right. call, Josh. Nice find. Okay. I thought, I thought we could all agree on that one. Yeah, no, I honestly can't believe that one didn't come up for any of us. That, I don't know why I wasn't thinking about that. That's wild. That's great. I'm cool yeah. with that. Yeah, me too. Uh, favorite character is going to be fun. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to convince you guys on Raz just because you have a lot of experience in, with him in the first one. But he's, if I can, he's great, let but me know. Yeah. Let Ra- me know. Raz is great. I just, it, it feels weird to me to give him that. Same. Same. I, I absolutely love the character, but it's... He's an it's, almost 20-year-old character. It's like giving it to Master Chief next year because if, if, if Halo Infinite turns out to be you know, the best game of the year or something. Like, it, it, it can't be fucking Master Chief. I need a weapon. Yeah. I, I respectfully disagree, and here's why. <laughs> About Master Kratos, Chief? About Master Chief? Kratos um, well, yeah. was in our short running for 2018 because he developed as a character so much. Now, Man. Master Chief, okay. maybe not as much. I mean, he is Batman now. What do you mean? Now there's a different robot lady in his head. But with Raz, did didn't Raz develop a lot as a character in this game? A lot, not in the in the same ways he was developing in the first one. It was just more of a. It's not like his character did a significant one eighty. Right, but another thing to consider, and I, I don't have, I can't disagree <laughs> with you on that because I didn't play the first one. But what I can say is this game. But I will anyway. <laughs> I will, in fact. No, uh. This game has gotten a lot of notice in the mainstream for mainstream success where the first one didn't. So this is a ton of people's first introduction to this character. Now, this is our personal list, and I understand that. And like you said, you two have both had personal um how do I word that? Personal experience with this character in the past. And I understand I have not, and that's why I'm pushing it so adamantly. Wouldn't it be interesting to kind of Say like, hey, this character has been strong for 15 years. We didn't have this podcast 15 years ago to give him the credit he deserves. And now that a lot of people are taking notice, wouldn't it be good to no, note him? No, that's, that's a really good point. You've, you've convinced me. Yeah. It's, it's let's Bowser go with, Jr. Let's go with Ravenbeak. <laughs> you convinced me. It's Samus. Let's go with Ludwig von Koopa. <laughs> No, I, 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 like, I, do, I do like Bowser Jr. and yeah. Bowser and Bowser's cool. Fury. Do you guys at least see my like? You don't have to agree with my point, but do you, do you at least just see it? Yeah, no, yeah, no I get no, what you're get s- saying. I just don't feel that way. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> How, 
I don't get how I'm the one fighting for Raz between the three of us. That is funny. That's that here? is the funniest crazy. thing to me. Um, so which character of Mies word do you want to give it to? I don't know. You could convince me of Raz. Like I, I again, like it's hmm. Fuck. <sighs> I don't think you're wrong, Shay. I just feel slightly icky about it. But like think about it this way. You in the first game, you don't really get to know about him in context with his family. Right? And you learn so much about that character by yeah. meeting him and learning about his dynamic with his family. But it's not only that. You're now, right. You had kind of, you, you kind of had that dynamic. Uh, you kind of had that dynamic with him and um, the campers in the first one. And you have that with the, the, the junior psychonauts in this one or the trainee psychonauts, whatever they're called. Um, so you already had that dynamic there. But the dynamic he has. And the reverence he shows for the Psychic Six is something that I, you know, just from watching what I've seen of the first one, I've watched some YouTube videos of it, not enough, obviously, but some. He shows a greater level of reverence and appreciation and understanding for what it is to be a Psychonaut in this, in this game. Now, a lot of those same basic character traits and characteristics still exist, yes. But the development I think he goes on in this story is a lot more nuanced, and I think, Rich, you are giving it credit for, to be honest with you. Um, just because it, it is a completely different story taking place here with different sets of characters. Granted, there are some of the same from the first game, but I, don't, like, I just feel like he goes on a much bigger character arc and development than is being given credit for here. Hmm. Uh... And look, I love both of the characters you mentioned from Eastward, and I love a lot of the characters from Eastward, but I still think Raz is the more is the better character. Hmm. I love. I mean, he's obviously more it. fleshed out at this point, but again, it's because he 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 had a whole game, yeah, a decade yeah, well, and a half ago. This be a yeah. sequel, but like. Isn't that also a testament to it, too, that it's been 15 plus years and they managed to make Raz feel just as good as he did 15 plus years ago? I mean, they could have botched that shit easily. Uh, he feels like an to. even better character for it. But it, again, you should really go back and play the first one at some point because I think he, he really holds up. They, like a lot of characters, they would have had to change the fuck out of for it to not be painful. Yeah, but Rasputin is Yeah, Rasputin is very, very much still the same character. Um, in in yeah, a yeah, in terms of fundamental basic, way. Yes, yeah, yeah, and and I agree with that. I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm just saying that a lot of the, a lot of what takes place in this game, a lot of the plot, really shapes his character. Yeah, no, they do a good ways. job showing him growing through the story. Um, he has a nice trajectory that they could have just kind of yeah. left it stagnant and him kind of just moving within that narrative and never really growing, which a lot of games do that. A lot of stories do that. But no, there was a lot of care taken in this game to grow all, all those characters together, and Raz, I think, is the biggest recipient of that. Mm. 
I I think I could be weirdly uh, something about it doesn't feel quite right to me, but I still think I could I, feel comfortable giving it to Raz. Uh, I hmm. I'd almost feel more comfortable giving it to Ford because Ford also has a huge arc that especially and he's very changed from the first one unlike Raz, yeah. If he, yes, he feels more like a unique character well, like a like a in new character. In the first character. one he's really just played off as a crazy old man. Well, in the first one you think a lot of his different personalities are it's played as a joke on him being a super spy. Like, oh, of course, I can yeah. I can put on all these different disguises, all these different personalities. Yeah, and, he's undercover. And I'm yeah. completely sucked into the role. He's a chameleon, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you're you never going to break my character. And then in this one, you find out, oh, no, he he completely legitimately believes it's, he is these characters when he's in and these they different write situations. It off really quickly, like, when you first walk in and Raz is like, oh, Ford Cruller made me a psychonaut. I'm like, that crazy old man doesn't have the authority to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Mm. At least personally, I feel more like the the difference from one to the next, and it, it's obviously obviously still the same character, but the additional context in Psychonauts Two is so much more additional context than you get for Raz for between one and two. Yeah, um, because you'd already met his dad. Augustus, yeah, is in, is in the last. It, act is, of is in the first. Is in the first Psychonauts. You didn't. You know of the rest of the family. Like he mentions their names, but you don't meet them. Um, yeah. But yeah, a, a lot of the character is still very similar. There, there is more character development for Raz in this than in the first one. Um, but I feel like Ford is more of a change from one to two. I. I will agree that he does have a greater character development in terms of the arc. I just don't feel like he's as fleshed out of a character either. And, and granted, I understand because Raz has had more screen time and had more time in the game. I too, I totally get that. And I'm not discrediting that. But to me, I, I love Ford Kriller. He was actually on my short list of favorite characters of this year. Mm. Um, but he feels like the quirky grandpa who feels guilty for some things that he did or didn't do. And he atones for that. And it's, it's a great story. It really is. But it, his story also doesn't have the layers of depth that I think Raz has. Like, when I think about Ford, and I understand this is a weird comparison, but just g- give, me, give me the space to make the comparison, is, like, I think about Zuko from Avatar in some ways, in that he was this very one-note character at the beginning, but then you started seeing shreds or pieces of there being a deeper character there. Um, same with Ford Cruller, that he was kind of considered this crazy character, and that was his thing. Zuko was considered this, this angry, vengeful character, and that was his thing. And you started to see little bits and pieces of that be different with Zuko, and I think the same is true of Ford Cruller. And then when Ford Cruller regains his consciousness and He's like his mind is put together. He's still an interesting character and he gets some kind of character redemption in helping Raz fix the situation that is Maligula slash Miranda, uh, not Miranda, sorry, Maligula slash uh, Raz's Lucretia. Yeah, Lucretia. No, no, that's 
Nona, thank you. That's what the, I was going to say Nan, but I knew that was wrong. Nona, thank you. But it isn't as rewarding of a kind of a uh, redemption arc as something like a Zuko, because Zuko, granted, a TV show that had a lot more time to do this as well, felt so multifaceted and layered as a character where I don't feel quite as powerful about that as someone like Ford Cruller, per se. I do think he is a powerful and awesome I just read your comment, Josh. Is a is a powerful character. And I do think he's a very good character. Like I said, he's on my short list, but I just I feel like Raz just and I know, I, mean, I know, yeah. I understand your guys' point. I mean I just felt like he Let me put so it this more. way. The story here, like the overarching story, is about Raz, yes. But this this is the Ford Crawler arc. Yeah. Like, Psychonauts 2 is the Ford Crawler arc, kind of. Like, like basically all the inciting incidents, everything that ends up being resolved here is kind of based around him. In, in this more story. like the Nona arc? <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Nona arc is next season. Next season on Psychonauts. Mm-hmm. After the time skip. Do you want to put see what the gang's been up to? Right. You want to put this aside, and so we can have like a few minutes to think about it on kind of like the back of our minds while we pick yeah. favorite narrative. Oh, I'm sure. That's I think. Gonna... Fa- I think. Fa- no, I think favorite narrative is going to be less divisive. Of <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised favorite characters as divisive as this. It's interesting. So let's come back to favorite character. We'll we'll do that here okay. in a few minutes. Favorite narrative. Um, where do you guys want to start with the conversation on this one? I kind of dominate a favorite character, so. Who want you guys picks? to kind of what, what add some the, input here. What were everybody's picks again? Chicory. Jo- Josh's is Chicory. Yours is Guardians of the Galaxy. Mine is Eastward. Yeah. And I, I loved like, all of them. Yeah, no, I feel like, and this is why I bring it up, I feel like Eastward is the one that's probably on all of our short list. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it, it definitely was my runner-up. Like, I feel very strongly about the Guardians of the Galaxy story, but, like, Shay doesn't have any experience with it all, and I didn't come in here married to the idea of it winning. And Eastward is a very strong runner-up for me. Like, that narrative, yeah. I feel at times like it maybe has a little bit of a slow burn like pace to it, but I don't even consider it an issue just because the world is so enthralling and the characters are so enthralling, and I think it is a... a it's surprisingly long for a game of its caliber, and it is a joy from start to finish. Yeah, and that was also on my short list um, as far as common ground short list picks. Eastward was on there, and Psychonauts 2 Psychonauts was on 2 there. Psychonauts 2 was also on my um, as, as far as things that I, I thought would be. But what kept Psychonauts 2 off like a top tier pick for me was I do feel like there's some weird convolution issues towards the end. Like, I don't think it's necessarily bad, but it's kind of hard to fo- It could be hard to follow. Yeah, y- yes, yeah. There's a lot that's, that happens near the end. That's the only reason why it didn't win my best narrative of the year, because it, yeah. is, it is a close one for me. Like, that is a very, very, very close second. But yeah, that ending, it was like, okay, she's the grandmother, but she's not really the grandmother, but she's this evil lady that's been implanted in there that's been, you know, like... A and, lot is packed into that final act. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Whereas Eastward, like I said, is consistently giving you the information yeah. at a very nice, easy-to-understand exactly. pace. 
Yeah, exactly. Like the the shock of finding out that she's your great aunt and not your grandmother is just a lot to process there in a short amount of time at the end of Psychonauts 2. That can, that I, can really... I knew that, like, I knew when you said that so enthusiastically that you're being a smart ass. <laughs> I know you're too enthusiastic for that to be real. I know you too well, Josh. Uh... Um, honestly, this feels weird. Like, the last category is arguing for Psychonauts 2, like the character, and now, and you guys want it eastward. Josh, you want Psychonauts 2, and I'm arguing eastward. <laughs> no, I had to. It was... <laughs> <laughs> we had a reverse rolls. Um because I have some recency bias with this, I'm gonna trust you guys a little bit more than my own opinion of this. I, I really like Eastward story a lot. I also really like Psychonaut I, 2 story a lot. I understand that you guys really like Guardians of the Galaxy a lot as well. Yeah. Um I think Eastward or Psychonauts 2 would be the two best choices here, one of the two. If, but if if we're saying it's between Eastward and Psychonauts, I feel like it's Eastward for me. I'm 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 yeah I'm I was giving you crap about Psychonauts too but yeah I feel oh, like okay. Eastward is <sighs> I don't know I could be convinced of either of those um I also really like Guardians of the Galaxy but again I kind of wanted to pick something I I really we, like Guardians of the played. Galaxy but like all for something all of us feel pretty strongly about I think Eastward is the one Okay Yeah I'm I'm okay. I'm, ha- I'm I'm happy with that Okay all right, well, then Eastward takes favorite narrative. So the last Woo! one we got to get, get down is favorite character. <laughs> um, you uh, guys have had all of two minutes to think about it. <laughs> a lot has happened in that time. And I think it's probably the ecosystem for Monster Hunter Rise. <laughs> we already decided. Deci- <laughs> no, my favorite character is the ecosystem for Monster Hunter Rise. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite character is uh the narrator or not the narrator the uh, operator from 12 minutes <laughs> my favorite character my favorite yeah. poor uh, lady who doesn't get paid enough to hear my your insane shit about being stuck in a time loop and the cop is trying willem to kill defoe you. Uh, from willem defoe's house um I don't my know, favorite guys. character is the carpet from 12 minutes yeah, that's the most from, from The Shining. <laughs> it's the most it's the most interesting character in that story. I, I almost made a really bad comment in regards to that. Josh, I'm, I'm gonna so make it did. and you can edit it out <laughs> if you see fit. Because I, I can't resist. My favorite character is Huh. So that happened. <laughs> you said those words. Um, You're probably not going to edit that out, but if you if you feel so inclined to, please do. <laughs> Sorry, that's what came to my head, and I was like, "Why the fuck did that comment or that thought come into my head?" Sorry, come. Um. Yeah, Rich, where do you sit with this? Like, give us some greater input, because like Josh and I have been talking a lot. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't necessarily think you're wrong about the Raz thing, but I still, I don't know. I just feel weird about it. <laughs> Why? What? Like, what's the hand? Because you played the first one, right? Because it's a character from almost two decades ago. Right, but you you had mentioned yourself that the story of this game, like like Josh did as well, that it could have been bad fifteen plus years later, and the fact that it's really good and Raz still feels as awesome as he did it in the first one. 
yeah, and the fact that a lot of it. other people are getting to experience that. It's kind of cool. But that's just it. Yeah, he feels as awesome as he did. He doesn't feel. He doesn't like feel like a different character. Revelations made to his character. Like I don't feel like his character has been drastically improved or drastically fleshed out or expanded upon in that time. He finally l- landed the girl. He finally landed Lily. You know, he kind of did that in the first one. Yeah, yeah. Lily kisses him like two thirds of the way through the first one. But this one, she said he'll be his girlfriend, or she'll be his girlfriend. Well, he was kind of already coupling with the idea that they were dating since. But the- it wasn't for sure, and now it is. Yeah, I don't know about that. And he reconnected with his family. Like, but don't I mean, you remember at the beginning of the game, his brother was Armin a fucking Shimmerman's dictum? the last boss in, in Psychonauts 1. That's true. Well, that makes me want to play it even more. I mean, you heard him in this one as well, but he, just, he wasn't the last it's boss true. this time. That's true. That's a good point. Um, <sighs> <laughs> I think we should give it to Dr. Lobato. Like, let, let's yet. let's put it this way so we don't waste any more time. Am I going to be able to convince you guys that Raz deserves it or no? Like, just just be flat out. Like, don't uh. kiss my ass. That way we can get on with this discussion. Like, if there's any chance, I will sit here and do it. But if there's not, <laughs> let's let's pick something so we can get out of here. I still wouldn't feel right about it. I'm not going to tell you that, like, I'm definitely would, like, stonewall you on it, but. Yeah, no, like I'm I'm kind of in the same spot. Like I could be convinced, but also it would take a lot of convincing. Um just because yeah, I do like I feel very strongly that Raz is still the same character. This is this is not a reboot of God of War type situation. This is this is very much the same character. And and yeah. I'd have yeah. I'd have a hard time considering it as a new character which i think is again like why rich and i just didn't even consider it coming into yeah. well the category is not new character it's favorite character yeah but then again like i said bowser jr was in was in a title this year oh wait wario was yeah in the there was this year no <laughs> all right well let me ask you this <laughs> psychonauts came out in 2005 16 years ago there were a lot of really good games during that year. There was Devil May Cry 3, Psychonauts, Resident Evil 4, Batman Begins came out. Um, we said good games. Begins. Con- a movie? Conquer Live and Reloaded. Uh, 50 Cent Bulletproof. <laughs> 50, oh, okay, yeah, Bulletproof? 50 cents, 50 bulletproof? Cents, that's not even his best game. The good one. Blood yeah, in the, the Sand. First God of, <laughs> the first God of War came out. Um, Shadow Holy of the Colossus fuck. Came Was that out the that same year? year? Yeah. The yeah, first the God of War. Game. Wow. Yeah. And Shadow of the Colossus, Kingdom Hearts 2. Would, would Raz have been... And it'd been, be 30 years until the next game. Would uh, Raz have been your favorite character during that year? <sighs> I don't think so, because Shadow of the Colossus would have probably... The horse from Shadow of Colossus. Would have yeah, aggro's, right year. aggro's a tough one to beat. I mean, but like, it, in all seriousness... Would Raz have won your favorite character that year? I don't. I don't know. That's hard to say. Okay. Um, Josh, just for fun, like your gut reaction. I'm trying is to think of all the things you mentioned that year. You said King. I said Kingdom Hearts two, which was a big yeah. one. Shadow of the Colossus. Um, hmm. Fifty Cent's like, bulletproof. I can't. I can't stress that. It, so pro- funny. it probably that's... would have been Fifty Cent. I, Devil I mean, May Cry three. God of War. 
Batman Begins, Resident Evil 4. I can't even remember if I liked 3 or oh, not. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, my favorite character would have been one Leon Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Resident Evil 4 was that year. That's, that's, that makes it tough. Okay. So, Raz wouldn't have won in Yeah, I guess, I guess didn't... now that you're putting it this way, there was so much competition that year. I'm, I'm feeling better about it given that year in retrospect. Fuck it, let's give it to Raz. Yeah, I'm trying I to... knew I could do it. Yeah, Rescue that was a good. That was a pretty good argument. That was, I that thought was... it was going to be a pretty bad argument when you started, but then you turned it around. Yeah. Uh, well, the, me mentioning Fifty Cent probably didn't do me any favors. No, that did, that's the only thing that convinced me. That was, oh, that was okay. yeah, that was tough. That was yeah. I got there. I knew I could get you. Like I knew <laughs> I could convince you guys to pick the choice you really wanted to pick deep down. I just had to figure out how. And I got there. Minimal bloodshed to do it, too. Mm-hmm. Rasputin Aquato. That's right. The right choice for this. So let me go down the group choices really quickly before we get out of here, because it's been a long show. Um, excuse me. Favorite remaster, Super Mario 3D World. Favorite weapon, frying pan from Eastward. Favorite art direction, in an upset, Genesis Noir, which I'm excited for Rich to play that game next week and say, you know what, we are damn right. Most punchable face in gaming in 2021, to nobody's surprise, the whole cast from 12 minutes. Favorite ecosystem, Jet the Far Shore. Favorite gaming mechanic goes to cooperative abilities, and it takes two. The most influential game of 2021 we are predicting, and we think, will be Psychonauts 2. The favorite boss is Ravenbeak from Metroid Dread. Good call on that, Josh. Favorite character is Raz from Psychonauts 2. Can't believe I'm the most excited out of the three of us for that. <laughs> that is so funny. And the broken. favorite narrative is Eastward. So I'm pretty s- satisfied with that list. I would have liked to have yeah. seen like Ender Lilies get in there somewhere, but I mean, that's why I have personal lists. So yeah, yeah. There's again, I think kind of a side effect of their being so many more indie games it's harder to get to a consensus on a lot of these we had a, we had a lot of choices all over the place in this one that were just yeah. completely unique uh yes we completely did completely unique well guys we did week 2 <laughs> it was this is always the lengthiest week just because we have all these small categories we got to get through and um yeah we got it done how you guys feel good tired <laughs> yeah it's almost sunday here it took a while <laughs> actually it is sunday there no no sorry no it's saturday there for you guys excuse mm-hmm. me yeah it's been saturday for 47 minutes yeah i gotta go to work soon <laughs> <laughs> well let's get you guys out of here uh thank you so much to the listeners if you enjoyed this show if you enjoyed our deliberations head over to swordchomp.com where you have access to more podcasts such as chomping after dark a spoiler podcast where we deep dive into stories of games and some movies and TV shows. Uh, for example, we did Squid Game earlier this year, and uh, Rich and I took it upon ourselves to do the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy, which we very much enjoyed that. Um, we also have Evoking the Sublime, where I interview developers and talk about the creation and history of their game. Rich recently just dropped his podcast, Chomping at the Bits, which he should have a new episode up any day now on Street Fighter 1 and 2. And that's about the historical relevance of the game that he breaks down. And he does it with uh, some of his good friends. Yeah, I am checking my calendar because I want to tell you the exact date that is scheduled to go up. I believe that 
if you're listening to that pod, this podcast, uh, that pod one should be dropping Wednesday. It is, it is done. It is in the chamber and ready to be fired. Dope. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we have a Chomping After Dark episode on Psychonauts 2 going up for the Patreon or the patrons in two days, and that'll be available for the late, the main feed at the end of this month. We actually have two episodes going in the vi- in the main feed at the end of the month um, for Christmas time. The other one being uh, Dodgeball Academia is one that Rich and I did months back and uh, excited to finally get that one up. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have merchandise that you can check out at store.sorechomp.com. You can access, access it from our site. Um, we have articles and, such as reviews and just think pieces that we write on the site. Rich is the one who mainly curates that. Um, you can check it out there. We have lots of cool stuff. Rich is going to be getting some up here very soon on two games he is playing, uh, which is, don't tell me, Rich, I, Shovel Knight, Treasure Trove, and... Uh, Incorrect. F- not Treasure Trove? No, Treasure Tre- Trove. Trove is the... Uh... Like the, DLC, uh, the like full DLC version. Of, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Which you are trying to say is Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Pocket Dungeon. Sorry. Yeah, I mixed that up. Thank you for correcting me. Pocket Dungeon and uh, Fight Night is the other one he's going to be getting up here pretty soon. With a K. So, the other one's the yes. old one. Yes, Fight Connect. And uh, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa! I knew that joke was going to be made again this week as I said it, but um, it's funny every time. Some- it is funny every time, you're right. Um, he's going to be having two reviews go up for that very soon, so check those out. Also, um, if you want to support us so we can make more content like this and make uh, beefier content, we can get more Beef. people on board to help us make this project more expansive and better than it already is, and you want to be rewarded for it, head over to patreon.com slash or you can access it from our then site. meet me behind the 7-Eleven. To give him a slushy, but um, no, we have a bunch of awesome tiers there, and uh, that's not a sexual thing. We have a bunch of awesome tiers there where you can be rewarded for supporting us and helping us out. Um, we have some awesome content we're going to be working on during the uh, Christmas holidays. Rich and I are probably going to sit down and work on that. Some really excited for that. It's going to be Patreon only content. Um, we have update videos that we go that go up on our VIP site um, almost every week, kind of talking about the behind-the-scenes stuff, our upcoming plans, things of that nature, you can get access to that by going to patreon.com slash So I didn't want to mention that too much during the main show because I know that you're just trying to listen to our, our choices for this year and whatnot, so it's always good to get it in the back end. Um, that's what she said. And <laughs> I realized what I was saying as I said it. We also have a uh, Patreon show, Game of the Year show, where they pick some categories for us, and we're going to do a special show for them. We're going to be planning that out here in the next week or so. Uh, you can only listen to that if you are a Patreon member, or as they say, patron. And last but not least, if you want to follow us on the socials, Instagram and Twitter, at Sorechomp, you can follow Josh um, on Twitter. You can follow Rich on Instagram and Twitter. Same for me, Instagram and Twitter. You can find us there. Um, I'm not going to tell you the handles. You're just going to have to use your detective Figure skills. Figure it out. And, you, have to, um, you have to look at the profiles and, and tell which one of those profile pictures you think sounds like us. That's right. That's right. I'm the ugliest one. I will tell you that. Um, but anyways, <laughs> Rich, don't fucking shake your head at that. <laughs> He's waiting for us to argue with him. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Rich, thank you for being here from New York. Josh from North Carolina. I was your host, Shay from Japan. 
Thank you for checking out the show. It was a long one. We're going to be back next week with uh, the Patreon game of the year, the our personal ch- top five games for game of the year, and then we're going to decide on a group five. That is the show that uh, you all look forward to the most, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy this year. It's gonna be really fun. It's gonna be a five lot now, of dog five. That's right. That's right. Fifty Cent Bulletproof is gonna get the game of the year for twenty twenty one. Long overdue. Can we end this podcast with the the the, the knuckles rap from Sonic Adventure? 2? I mean, you can do that. Josh and I are gonna peace out while you do that. All right, let's get out of here. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Be healthy, be safe, be well out there, be kind to each other. Um, And if if you haven't played some of the games we suggested, I highly recommend you go check them out, Uh, especially Genesis. Anyways, thank you so much. Take care.